Welcome to Analog Stick, a PlayStation 2 podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS2 title. We cover the game's development history, discuss its legacy, as well as share our thoughts and opinions on the game through a modern lens. We release a new episode on the second of every month, so subscribe or follow if you'd like to stay up to date with the show. Please support the podcast by leaving a review or rating on whatever platform you'd like to listen on. You can find us on podcast platforms as Analog Stick, as well as a video version of our podcast on our YouTube channel, Joystick. Jeez, that's a long intro. <laughs> it didn't feel that long when I wrote it out. Yeah. I'm your host, Clayton. Joined, as always, by the president's daughter, Morgan. Morgan, how are you? I can't climb down ladders. You're going to have to catch me every single time. I can't, for the love of God, I can't do it. I just, they freak me out, all right? Did you also, like, leave Ashley on a ladder the first time you, like... So many times. I would just, like, kind of run off and be like, oh, shit. And you just hear in the distance, Leon! Leon! Yeah. Hell. Did you get called a pervert? Uh, I did not look up her skirt, if that's what you're asking. I know that that's a thing you can do. There was like some weird instance where like I was fighting. I was like fighting something and I got knocked down under Ashley. Like Leon's head was under Ashley. And in in the middle of this fight, Ashley's just like, you pervert. I think the funniest thing I did, I think I caught her with an incendiary grenade one time. (laughs) (laughs) It was like an instant fail. I was like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just trying to. Trying to do some crowd control and I caught like the wrong person. Yeah. Did you leave her in a dumpster ever? I totally forgot about her in a dumpster. Oh, all the time. Anytime I could, I was like, you get in there, girl. Dumpster. You're... Dumpster yeah. button. I'm hitting yeah. the dumpster button. Right. I thought about saying, there's only, I, I like to do the, you know, you know, I'm here with the character from the game, Morgan. I thought about, I mean, there's two women in the game. Well, there's three actually. Ashley and Ada and Ashley being the president's daughter. Ada doesn't really have a subtitle, so uh, the only thing that she's ever called in the game other than Ada is the bitch in the red dress. But yeah. <laughs> I felt like that would be Coming on way strong. too strong. <laughs> a really aggressive way to open up the podcast. Like the first yeah. thing they hear about you talking to your co-host is you calling me a bitch. That would be yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really. For a second, I was like, who's the third girl? And then I completely forgot Hannigan. That's her name, right? Hannigan. Hannigan. Hunnigan. Yeah, Hunnigan. My bad. I completely yeah, yeah. forgot she existed. I was like, who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, There's man. Hunnigan with glasses and then Hunnigan without glasses. Yeah. Okay. If you caught that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Before we get into the show, a little bit of housekeeping. This episode is our 13th episode of our monthly podcast. And if you do the math correctly on that, that marks one year of our podcast. Morgan, we've been doing this for a year. Can you believe this? No. It feels like it's been three years. honestly yeah i'm 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 actually surprised it's been a year does it feel like it's it's been less time or longer i guess so i also kind of feel like i've been doing this forever at the same time (laughs) yeah well this is not your your first podcast attempt or or your first podcast in general right does that that's technically true yeah i forgot that existed it's funny so i had a podcast with my wife for a while where we just talked about things and that ended as soon as we like were together more frequently like it was a weird thing well while she was in college it like made sense because she would like come home and then we would talk about stuff and we're like Mm -hmm. let's have like a video audio diary because this was during a period of time where i was like going through family videos and stuff and i'm like oh it'd be nice to have like a little snapshot of our lives you know at these you know early points in our 
relationship. We weren't married yet, but like, you know, for 10 plus 20 years down the line, it's like, hey, what was my stupid ass thinking in 2020 whenever we were had this pandemic or whatever? Right. Uh, yeah. But as soon as we got married, it's like we talk all the time. It's Yeah, be, you can't. I cannot imagine sitting yeah. down with my wife and doing a podcast that's just about our lives. That doesn't sound doable. Some people do it. What are we going to do? Because, like, I specifically don't talk to you about the PS2 games before we talk about them for the podcast. Right. Would right, I just right. be withholding information about my life to drop? I don't, yeah, I think you would have to. You would have Guess to what? Make... I got fired. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think you would have to like make it about like a, something that is external to both of you that you come together and talk about like, like this podcast, because you and I also talk about like life stuff, whatever outside of this, it's not, you know, when it's I mean. when life, life, life stuff does not involve the PS2, which it rarely does not involve the PS2. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about playing 12 games in a year? That seems like a small number, but having to play 12 games in a year, I'm like, this is. It's starting to be a lot. You know, I, know. I, I, you know, I'm okay with it because the type of like gamer that I am is I have like my little, my little collection of games that I just, I just replay through the same games all the time. So this is like forcing yeah. me to get outside of my box and to mm-hmm. like refine my taste a little bit or, you know, expand my horizons, whatever you want to say. So, I, you know, I'm okay with it. I, I feel that. I mean, that was something that I like. I'd been trying to do because especially whenever we were really into like multiplayer games, Mm -hmm. we would just log into Overwatch. We'd play like a thousand hours in Overwatch. And it's like, I remember playing Overwatch, but no, nothing was ever different. Like I was just playing the same game over and over again. It's like because, because nothing is ever different. I mean, like there's not even, with like Overwatch, there's like not even a story you're following. So it it feels like Sisyphus pushing that boulder up that hill. You know, get the the payload to the end, start another round, same thing over and over. It sort of feels like, like wasting time more than other video games make you feel like you're wasting time. Like the time wasting is like extra bad. Whereas this, it's like, I have the excuse of like, oh, I'm being productive because this is for a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or it's just like a new experience. Like some of these games you've already experienced, but like, uh, I don't know. When, When we're doing something new, it's like. This is beneficial to my my brain, me as a person. I'm experiencing this new thing. Right. But with Overwatch and stuff, it's like, I don't know. It was almost like I was treating it like a job or something. Like I was just, or just something I was mindlessly doing. And now that I have a job, I don't want another job. You know what yeah. I mean? So I created this job, this podcast. This right. is my other job. Yes. I don't know what I'm saying. That totally defeats my argument. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's 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 a job that you make progress in because once we cover a game, that's it. That's true. Like we don't necessarily if it was hot garbage, we don't have to touch it ever again, you know. I guess that's true. It's like I kind of want something to show for my time now, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess a podcast is more worthy in my my brain than reaching GM and Overwatch, which right. never which never would have happened. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> I've given up on that. Happen. I'm like, I can't. The the second I got a job, I'm like, I'm I'm out of esports. <laughs> yeah. It's over. Like yeah. it's not. You know, I'm bad at games now. <laughs> I think that's when it happens. I think whenever you get your first like big boy job, it's like you're too old for esports now. I think that's when it happens. Unless the esports becomes your big boy job, you know, you you become a streamer and then yeah. your mental health deteriorates because you're stuck trying to please a big 
crowd of monkeys that are yelling at you to get oh killed. Oh my gosh. Get killed. Oh. Get killed. Plus two. Minus two. You oh. not play game right. Yeah. We're meta. <laughs> Follow meta. <laughs> I don't know. Bad stuff pick. like that. Um, do you watch any streamers? Um, yes. Not Typically not when they're live. I just like watch like their old VODs or like their condensed, like the condensed uh, highlights they put on YouTube. So that would be uh, right now the two ones. I don't, I kind of stopped watching Flats. I mean, I still like Flats. I still think I, I, Yeah, I watched them a lot whenever I was playing Overwatch 2. But I haven't watched yeah. them since I stopped playing Overwatch 2. Lately, I've been really into Snapcube. Do you know who Snapcube is? Maybe. She did a bunch of um, Sonic dubs with like her oh, friend group. Oh, yeah. Like, I saw those. Like improv. It's like improv comedy. They're very popular. Very, very popular. Very funny. Um, but she has like other... She has some Resident Evil playthroughs that I have been watching and really enjoying. So, yeah, I like Snapcube. Let's just jump into the opening topic, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we get into Resident Evil 4, let's uh, let's discuss our opening topic, which is gaming re-releases. Gaming has a very unique relationship with the re-release compared to other mediums of entertainment for a lot of different reasons. I think the biggest one is the constant format changes that we have in gaming as opposed to, I mean, a book is a book. It's like a self-contained thing, but like, you know, physical TV shows and movies, it's like you had VHS Throughout the course of our life, you had VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, like, mm-hmm. over the past 25-plus years. It's a it's a less frequent change, and now you have streaming. There's, like, much more accessibility with that medium than there is with games where you need a console that can run the thing correctly. So the need for re-releases is a lot more prevalent with games, and... A lot of publishers have been getting like better with this or uh, I guess platforms have been getting better with this starting with like PS4 and Xbox One. Those storefronts seem to not be going anywhere at least for the foreseeable future. Like, you know, I can play a PS4 game on my PS5 and that's kind of baked into the, that system and I assume that like you know, Xbox goes even further back. There's some like Xbox original games where you can just stick the disc in there and it'll work which is kind of insane. And PC, obviously, is just like, you know, backwards compatibility throughout like all of the Steam library. Well, and the the PS2 can play PS1 games as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there's always been like efforts made towards like maintaining access to like a previous library. But even with that, there are a lot of very important games that are just kind of stranded on older platforms, like decades-old hardware. So the need for video game re-releases is it's much more noticeable, I feel like, than films. And, and maybe that's just because I'm not a huge film buff. But uh, for the terms of this conversation, I just want to define how I see the three different categories of a re-release. So the first term I would use is a remaster, which in this conversation uh, we're going to define as just kind of like porting the game to a newer system to a newer like generation of consoles so pretty minimal changes like the game could run at a higher resolution or frame rate or the controls could just be slightly adapted button prompts could be changed really minor stuff so an example of this would be the ps4 remaster of the last of us um which happened only a year later, I found out. They remastered the game 
exactly one year after the release on the PS3. So <laughs> wow. Really waited a while for that. Yeah. And then the next category of re-release I'm going to call the remake, which I would consider recreating the game's visuals while maintaining the gameplay, controls, levels, everything. It's just like a completely fresh coat of paint. Uh, so an example of this would be Last of Us Part 1 for the PS5. It differs from the remaster because the remaster was really essentially just the PS3 version running more stable. Uh, or like the Crash Insane Trilogy, where they take the original games, like the levels stay the same, everything about them stays the same for the most part. There's some like, you know, really nitty gritty technical differences, but like it's really just about changing the visuals. And then the last category I would call the reimagining, which is taking the original concept of the game and then just going in a new direction with it. So things like Resident Evil 7 Remake, not Resident Evil 7, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, and the Resident Evil you know, 2, 3, and the upcoming 4 remakes. And it's annoying because they use the term remake, but I feel like a remake means a different thing than what they're using it for. Mm -hmm. And people use like remaster and remake kind of flippant. There's no like... These don't mean anything. They're just kind of words people toss around. It's like yeah. Game of the Year edition. These are just our guidelines for like this conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in a reimagining, it's kind of in line with like a reboot. Like I would consider the Tomb Raider reboot from like 2013 to be like a reimagining okay. of yeah, the original yeah. Tomb Raider games. So that like a new sense. genre, like you could take, you know, gameplay elements of something and just, you know, be like, uh, you know, going from Final Fantasy VII to the remake, it's like, more of an action game as opposed to the, you know, real-time turn-based stuff in the original, but maintains the same, like, concept, theme, story, characters, stuff like that. So this is all to say, Morgan, what are some remakes, remasters, reimaginings, you know, that we've played that stand out to you for being good or bad? I would consider the Mass Effect Legendary Edition to be a good example yeah. Just because it like left everything the same aside from like, I think there was like some minor balancing changes to like level ups and stuff in, in the first Mass Effect. I think there were like some other minor changes, but like mostly it was just like an mm -hmm. overhaul of like the graphical quality, which is, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much all I would have wanted out of something like that. Um, just mm -hmm. because I love Mass Effect the way it is, really. I really love those, like, a collection. That was, like, a big yeah. thing for a little bit. I don't know if it's still happening as much, but, like, the Crash, Spyro, Mass Effect, like, remastering or remaking, like, a trilogy of games and then just putting them all out as one. That was a, that was a fun thing that we had going for a little bit. It feels like market research most of the time. Like, the, I, I feel like a good way to utilize a remake or a remaster, like diving into an older IP, it feels like a safe way to like gauge whether or not the current gaming market is interested in like a new game. Kind of like the Crash thing where mm -hmm. Crash came out, did really well. So they greenlit the uh, the fourth game to be made. But no Spyro. And then they shut down the studio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. We really they didn't shut that. down the studio. They just, they just make Call of Duty now. <sighs> oh, it makes me so mad. Anyway. Uh, oh, it's so tragic. As far as, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say as far as like remakes, um, the Spyro trilogy is like the biggest one for me because I loved Spyro on the PS1 and that mm -hmm. just made my little inner child completely ecstatic. 
and I really liked um, what they did. With the art direction, I will say there was like some, some stuff about like the enemy designs that I didn't really vibe with and like I did miss like having the old like PS1 sound effects, like the crunchy sound effects just oh yeah meant a lot more to me than I thought they did. Um, mm-hmm. But other I than totally that, get that, yeah. What about like the Mass Effect, not Mass Effect, Halo Combat Evolved Remastered where there was just like a toggle where you could toggle between the old graphics and the new graphics? You know what? I kind of wish... I kind of wish that Spyro had something like that, that it had like a toggle. Um, That'd be awesome. I feel like that's a above and beyond, I guess, because like, I'm sure that's kind of difficult to yeah. render two things simultaneously. Well, and also like the, I know that um, when I, I was listening to like a developer commentary or, or something or like an interview about the Spyro Reignited trilogy and one of the difficulties they talked about was how Insomniac didn't have any of like the original Spyro assets so they didn't have like that base of stuff to work with they had to actually um code like a a a tool um to like map out the environments so like somebody would have to like make spiral run around the levels and they would have to have this tool map out the dimensions of like the levels and everything because they didn't have like i said they didn't have the old assets to like work with that's crazy so that might be part of like why that just wasn't an option because there was there was no like old textures or whatever left to like flip back over to so like they they themselves lost those files yeah i don't know i don't know how how they handle like video game asset management i don't know like how long they hang on to that stuff if they're if if at that point in time it was not forever yeah i hope I, i didn't know if like back in that time if it was like considered best practice to hang on to that stuff or if they just like threw it out after like a handful of years i have no clue i don't there's definitely some instances, I believe, with Final Fantasy being one of them. So there's some there's some very notable game where this happened to. I remember hearing about it where, and maybe it was Spyro, but like the source code was just lost, and they had to like reverse engineer it from oh, no. <laughs> someone who uploaded it online or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was wild. Oh my gosh, that's. Crazy. I just can't imagine like. Obviously, I don't work in game production. I'm uh-huh. sure there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of whatever, but even at my, you know production house it's just like yeah we have like five backups of anything it's just something we know to do i don't know i just i cannot imagine being someone who's just not obsessively backing up everything that i'm working on i mean as someone who works in it and like i said i don't know how much of this is like a game production problem or how much of it might be an it management problem because every single like place i've ever worked and like done it work for has had god awful asset management like mm. just like machines and servers and stuff like that where it's like we don't we don't know what that is we don't know where it is it's just <laughs> it's just like weird little things floating around on, on the network and we're like uh hey what's going on over there um so that that might be an explanation for for how how could this happen well people don't yeah keep track of negligence yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i get it but yeah it's it's wild to me that you're not like obsessive about like you know because you're you how many games does a studio like insomniac how many games have they made like oh i don't know 17 i have no idea (laughs) like like a a countable number like a a short list of like here's everything we've made it's like how do you guys just not back up no idea. Yeah. You well, got like 17. I don't know. I don't know. And I think how, I think how Spyro was developed was it, it has like the six like home worlds. Right. And I think they had it set up. So it was like one, one developer 
works on each set of levels for each home world. So I don't yeah. know if, if like all of it was like split up all over the place. And then, like I said, it just they never like compiled it. And like, like I said, put it in a vault somewhere. I don't know. No yeah, idea. I, do, I do realize I'm talking out of my ass a little bit because I don't know how like asset management for video games yeah. goes down. But like as an outsider, it seems insane that something like that could happen. If someone works in the industry that is listening, uh, could could inform us. And we know you are. We know you are. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> would you be so kind as to leave like a comment somewhere? Maybe on the YouTube video where we could see it? We would love to know. Anyway. And if you don't leave a comment, I'm going to feel really awkward about asking for it. <laughs> So you better do it. No pressure. It's okay. We're shy too. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. They're going to respond with like the two finger emojis pointing at yeah, each other. Yeah, like, oh, um, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I know how file management works at Insomniac. Yeah. Insomniac. <laughs> um, a, a bad example. Just, just to, we were just talking about Insomniac, you know, and like how much I love their stuff. Uh, let me, let me just stomp on them, like curb stomp them for a second. <laughs> um, oh my God. A bad example of a reimagining is, and this is not necessarily my opinion. This is just the fans reaction. Everybody hated the uh, PS4 Ratchet and Clank. Like everybody was oh. just like pissed about it. Are you sure? From... I've heard people that like it. I know. See, that's the thing is I've heard either people were like, oh, that was that was delightful or that was like the worst Ratchet and Clank game. Like, what did you do? Well, not like because that worst, was a reimagining, but, right? I mean, like it it changed yeah. a lot of stuff. It, it did. It, it the the like very core of the story was still there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think if you change as much as that game did, it constitutes a reimagining. Yes. Well, that's that's what I can, why I brought it yeah, up. Yeah, it's like yeah. a bad, a quote unquote, bad reimagining. And what people didn't like about it was, I think the story changes and they thought that like, because you, you had like a completely different arsenal from the first game. And they were like, I just didn't, I didn't like the weapons. So weapons mm. were boring, which to be fair, the weapons in the original are also kind of boring. So I don't, I don't know, but that's just public opinion that I'm bringing up for yeah. the sake of like bad reception. I get that. I played like the opening of that and then I'm like, I'm going to play Rift Apart because it came with like the uh, PlayStation uh, Plus collection. Yeah, Rift Apart's so. better. So <laughs> I mean, but it also yeah. came out after it. So whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've been playing. That's been like uh, my non PS2 game that I've been playing. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I, I meant to talk to you about this, but like. Going from uh, Resident Evil 4 to Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel so old. Because, like, I go from this, like, crusty old PS2 game where, like, everything's very clear and defined. Mm -hmm. And then I switch over to Rift Apart. I'm like, I could hardly see anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, anytime. There's too much detail. Anytime there's, like, a next-gen, like, game that comes out. Because, yeah, like, I I also play, like, crusty PS2 games, crusty-ish PS3 games, right? Um yeah, anytime something new comes out that I, like, play right away, I'm like, I can't see anything. I <laughs> There's know. too much visual information. <laughs> There's I so many particles. Yeah. I can hardly tell what's going right. on. Right. There's so many. It's so, everything's so saturated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I get that. Um, did I answer this? I don't know. I didn't answer this question. Um, uh, a remake that I think stands out as being great, and I'm, or a re reimagining that I think stands mm -hmm. out as being great, is the... Um, Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, yes, I agree with granted, that. Granted, 
I would play like half of it. I got to the part where we met, met with uh, Ada and I was being chased around by some dogs. And then Halloween ended, I think. That was what happened. Uh, so I'm yeah. sorry, what? Re- this is what? Resident Evil 2? Yeah. Resident is Evil this 2. Leon's story or Claire's story? Leon's story. Oh, okay. I've only seen Claire's story. I watched Snap Cube's uh, playthrough of Claire's story. And so that's why I was like, Wait a Ada's in that game? Really? What? It's that different? I assumed yeah. they were the same. No. Oh. No, completely different. I mean, you go to some of the same places, but like the the story, like what what you do and like who you interact with is is different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I need to get back to that. I think I just, I got to a part where I was like on my back foot, just out of ammo. Yeah. Like trying to make it through this play and I just couldn't. Yeah. So I, something happened. I got distracted. I should go back to it though. But I did, it was like pretty insane to just take this game that was so, like this, uh, you know, a survival horror game from the PS1 with fixed cameras and stuff, and then just turn it into a, like a third-person action game mm-hmm. and have it work so well. It's like, yeah, that's really, it's really neat. I can't really think of a bad remaster off the top of my head. Oh, um, that SpongeBob remaster. Oh, I <laughs> SpongeBob was... Battle for Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Uh, what was wrong with it? Uh, just pretty rough on the launch. Mm. I couldn't invert my y-axis. Or there was like an option to, and every time you change characters, it would just uninvert it, and you had to go back in your settings. I see it was anyway, like a big oversight. Like, yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. But I think I kind of had the issue that you have with Spyro to an extent, where it's like, I kind of prefer the original. Like, I, I recognize that like the new art style looks pretty sweet, but it's like, I kind of miss how it looked before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't think it's that bad. I think it was fine. But, yeah. Yeah. I just thought of another uh, remaster example um, that kind of is kind of bad. Uh, Sly Cooper. The Sly Cooper trilogy. Not the greatest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mainly because uh, like the, the change in like the aspect ratio with like certain things about the UI, mm-hmm. like the Binocucom, uh UI not reaching the edge of the screen. Feels very, very bad. lazy. Um also how it entirely they entirely um fucked up the whole um soundtrack syncing with a rhythm game boss yeah that's kind of bad you kind of bungled that one shouldn't have that's like a really important part of the gameplay that you Mm -hmm. you screwed up there but yeah i um unfortunately may have to play the ps3 version you can emulate i could emulate it yeah i might uh maybe i'll maybe i'll try that but i was trying to get it to work on my playstation Two and there's some issue with OPL mm-hmm. running that game in particular because I test out the games like I tested out every game for this year that we planned on doing mm-hmm. just to make sure it launched worked because like if not I'll buy it you know because most PlayStation Two games aren't ridiculous so if I buy the odd one it's like yeah it's fine or I'll emulate it whatever happens however I need to play the game I will do it but um. I tested out Sly Cooper and I'm like, yep, it's running, you know, run around, beat the prologue. It's like working fine. Good to go. Mm-hmm. There's a very, very strange issue where if a cutscene has played, you can't jump and press circle anymore. <laughs> That's kind of important. I know. Like there was some like you get to a point in that first level where it's like Bentley's like jump and press the action button. I couldn't do jump and press the action button. I can't do Bentley. Never mind. Jump and press like, the circle button. I can't. I can't yeah, that's exactly. Okay. Thank you for just playing that real audio from the PlayStation <laughs> Two version just then. But yeah, I just like I was jumping. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm pressing the circle button. It's not working. Yeah. And then I died and came back to it, and it worked all of a sudden. And I'm I 
figured out that the issue was like anytime Bentley comes on to talk to me, all of a sudden I can no longer jump and press circle. Uh-oh. So there was like a compatibility fix for it, but like I still couldn't get it to work. Like I got to a point where like I needed to throw in the keys to the thing to unlock stuff, and it's like it is not doing it. Yeah. So well, to be fair, I might have to play the PS3 version. I I did play the whole thing in one sitting uh, one day when I needed a break from RE4 on my emulator, and it worked a hundred percent fine. So I thought about this. Oh, before I found out it wasn't going to work, I was going to play the whole thing yesterday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Because I'm like, mm, I wonder if I could beat this in like four hours. You, uh, I think it was taking me like close to five. Mm. Um, and that's Were not- Were you doing 100%? Uh, the five hours was not counting the time trials, but the time trials okay. did not take me very long at all. So, yeah. Because yeah. I was able to get most of them first try because, I, because I've done it so many times. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a pro gamer. Yeah. <laughs> pro pro slide to Cooper. I said slide to Slide to <laughs> That's what they should have called the sequel instead. Not Sly Cooper. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, speaking of Sly Cooper, what are some games that need a remake or remaster? Mm, I would love... Let's say it, let's say it together. Okay. Let's say it together. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Sly, Sly Cooper. Cooper. Ratchet and Ratchet and Clank. Clank. Oh, I didn't... Jack and Dexter. Jack and Dexter too? Sorry. I did not expect this other two. <laughs> Um, I just view those three together as like in line with the Crash and Spyro thing. I'm like, how amazing would like a remake trilogy of those three? Uh, oh, it'd be, be so really good. good. Yeah, if if they did like an overhaul of like the the visual presentation of Sly Cooper, you know, with like the like they did, they did with the reignited trilogy. Oh, I would be in love. Oh, that it'd would make so me so good. happy. Oh, <laughs> it'd be so good. Yeah, I I wonder because like. I think a big problem with the Sony's first party lineup, first first party lineup, is that they don't have like anything other than Sad Dad simulators. Uh, Dad, got... Yeah, I'm getting a little bit burnt out on Sad Dad stories. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I love a good Sad Dad story, but I I think that you need a little bit of you need something for the kiddos to play. We need yeah. sad kid simulators like uh, Sly it's Cooper, like Ratchet the and orphan. Clank. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank mm-hmm. also an orphan. Jack also an orphan. All are they all orphans? I think they are all orphans. Yes, yes, they are. That's funny. Or at the least, orphan trio. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I I remember being kind of like not upset, but like when the like the Ratchet and Clank PS4 version came out, I was like, are they going to do Going Commando next? Because Going Commando is my favorite, and then they didn't do it, and I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> okay but i love that game to pieces so i would sad. i would love to see it um all polished up and turned into something you know a little nicer me too yeah uh maureen i was reminded that game that game the ratchet and clank reimagining came out alongside a movie didn't it yes it did did you see said movie no i never did i never did either and i don't think i've ever seen or heard anything about it i just popped into my brain though critics sort of tore it to shreds and i don't think it did so hot at the box mm. office was that sony's like most recent four way four four way mm. into video game it, adaptations <laughs> to movies no there's the uncharted movie yeah but that was the is that Sony? i'm not, I'm not saying like most recent but like the the earliest uh oh i think that was one of their early efforts into i don't um but they're i mean they seem to have hit their stride with last of us and stuff yeah uh, like critically and reception, yeah. public reception. There was going to be a Sly Cooper movie was in the works, but then that's the right. Ratchet Clank that movie. That's been talked about forever. Th- but 
they did not cast Sly's original voice actor. And I was kind of pissed about that. Everybody was kind of pissed about that. At least like the hardcore fans or whatever were. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Ratchet and Clank kind of bombed at the box office. And then um, the last thing I heard was like, oh, we're going to turn it into a TV show. And then I think it's just stuck in like production hell. And I don't think we're ever going to see it. So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like that talk of it being a Netflix show. Oh, I don't I don't remember that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking it up. It's like this has apparently been talked about since like 2014. So. Yeah, going on 10 years. <laughs> I feel like Sony has such amazing, like I guess, like children IP, like or Sorry. child. I just remembered oh, yeah. there was a really weird pilot for a Ratchet and Clank TV show that like randomly aired in Canada, and it was like a kids show. Um, but I don't think anything else came out of that. It was like really weird. Like it had like I think I remember like a weapon that turned things into sentient food. Oh like, my god, I'm watching it. Okay. <laughs> I I don't remember it being like I mean it's obviously for kids. I don't remember it being like that bad. <laughs> it looks pretty good. Yeah. But I don't I don't think anything else ever came of it. Everyone was just kind of like, what the fuck? I think it was called like Life of Pi or something. Like P P I E because it was about the sentient food. Um, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's up on it's up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I watched the whole thing like quite a while ago, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, all right." Um. So, Morgan, mm-hmm. if you could choose one game to reimagine, what game would you pick, and what would you like to change? Fallout New Vegas. Final answer. I think that's my <laughs> final answer. Yes. Yeah. Anything in particular you're looking to change? Um, so the thing about Fallout New Vegas is it had an 18-month uh, development cycle. Oh, wow. So that was <laughs> insane of them to to pull off a game like that within 18 months. Um, yeah, that's like start to finish? Yes. Like, like okay. Just hit the ground running, had to go. Just had to... So um, I would want to fix... That doesn't sound possible. <laughs> I Well, they did it. So, Well, to be fair, it's based off of like Fallout 3's engine. And I think they were able to like borrow a lot of assets and stuff from Fallout 3. Actually, I yeah, think I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure Fallout New Vegas is just Fallout 3 with like a, a, a shabby cardboard cutout of a, a cowboy standing in front of it. Like the entirety of Fallout 3 does exist within Fallout New Vegas. It's just sort of like hidden back in there. Oh, okay. Um, because there's a uh, a New Vegas mod where you can play both New Vegas and 3 within the same game. Anyway. Um, gotcha. But, That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, but since, since it only got 18 months, there are a lot of things that... Like, it's exceptionally good for, you know, considering it's, uh, like, like the amount of time that they had. But there's things that I would like to, fl- like, flesh out more. Um, like, there's there's factions that, there's three main factions that you can side with, kind of, I guess, four. And the Legion is one that's, like, really lacking in a lot of content. So I would want to, like, flesh out, you know, some more of the quest lines and, and stuff like that. Um, and mm-hmm. some of the dungeons are kind of like lackluster and samey like some of the it's just like kind of blank hallways because they literally didn't have time to do anything else so just just stuff like that and you know maybe fix some of the quirks with the gunplay and make it a bit more like fallout 4 for example or i don't know that's what i would like to do but keep keep all the good the good bits i feel that can you imagine if they announced that i mean i guess they own both obsidian and i think they own everything it's possible it's not like off the table 
Yeah. It's not illegal. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the original guy is still kicking around with Obsidian, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah. what about a Fallout like one, two remaster or re- reimagining yeah. as like a, uh, a not 3D isometric RPG? Yeah. 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 Yeah, like get get like a maybe like that'd a Fallout Three treatment. Yeah, I would like that a lot too. I would take it. That'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah. Okay, for me, I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about this in the Haunting Ground episode. Oh yeah. Haunting Ground remade in like that that RE engine that they have. Yeah. It'd be so good. It would. Be I don't know so if good. you've been following. Are you interested in all at all in the Resident Evil Four remake? Um, I haven't been like following it just because I didn't want. I don't know, like too many spoilers, I guess. Oh, I don't. I, I, yeah, yeah, me too. Like I, having played the game, I don't want to know what's different. Yeah, I will say I don't like Ashley's redesign. I like her big dopey ears that stick out oh, yeah. and like her dumb tank top sweater. <laughs> there. So I, we'll talk about this in a second. But the first okay. time I played Resident Evil 4 was in VR. And there was something ungodly about Ashley's face in VR. Oh, really? Like just just the having it be right in front of you physically <laughs> was like un, unsettling uncanny valley <laughs> I, I guess okay. so it's kind of like tainted my perception of how ashley looks oh uh, see i think ashley's just like really cute kind of annoying but really cute so yeah i don't like her new like i didn't like her hair and like her outfit and stuff i was like no give mm-hmm. me the big dopey ears the sweater vest that meant yeah. everything to me <laughs> Every time I see her playing through this again, I'm just like, I'm reminded of the moment that, you know, I find her in the church and then we end the cutscene, and she's just right in front of my actual face <laughs> and I am floored. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That did something weird to my brain. Playing Resident Evil 4 in VR, like going back to it now, I'm like, these are real places that I've been to. Oh. <laughs> it's just like... And I don't like think, but it's like in the back of my head, I'm like, this is like, it's just strange. Like yeah. experiencing something in VR and then play, I don't know. This, this isn't VR related, but I will say, I think fall or not Fallout. I think Resident Evil 4 also did something to my brain considering I was having nightmares with quick time events. Mm. <laughs> I think that was part of it. Yeah. Like the, the adrenaline of playing like a horror game in VR kind of like probably further cemented it in mm-hmm. my brain mm-hmm. i need to fix my goddamn squeaky chair <laughs> i can't hear it if that makes you feel better i, I think I it's coming through on the recording oh oh no uh i'm trying not to move though sometimes i talk with my hands though and i shake the chair yeah so do you do you want to move on to the the franchise history oh yeah so we're gonna pop a squat take a seat uh get comfortable mm-hmm. holy god i got a lot to talk about oh boy um, you do all right, so to run, to get up everyone, a, you know, Resident Evil 4 101 sort of background information on the game at hand, uh, let's dive into the, uh, the franchise history. So Resident Evil, or Biohazard as it's known in Japan, is a long-running series of survival horror games published by Capcom, published and developed by Capcom. The series began in 1996 with the release of Resident Evil for the PlayStation 1. Leading up to the release of Resident Evil 4 in 2005, the series saw the release of 11 additional entries in the series, consisting of both main series and spin-off titles. The development for Resident Evil 4 can be traced back all the way to as early as 1999. During its long and tumultuous production, there were at least four versions of the game that were scrapped at some point, and some of which 
spun off to create separate projects. The earliest version of Resident Evil 4 was what some have dubbed the cool version, the stylish version, whatever. This version of the game was headed by current Platinum Games Vice President Hideki Kamiya. Uh, Kamiya set out to create a very stylized action game with a superhuman protagonist named Tony. Very stylish and cool. Wait, his name was actually Tony? His name was Tony. <laughs> and he was badass as hell, man. Okay. He would freak you up. Okay. And it was like just meant to be very stylized, cool. And um, it was eventually like, yeah, this is not Resident Evil, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was spun off to become Devil May Cry. Uh, so cool, you know. It's kind of neat that like this big franchise, it's like we had a game that was like, ah, oh, this isn't the game. So it became like another big franchise. It's neat. Uh, second version of the game, the fog version or the castle version, depending on who you ask, is uh, a version of the game that was shown in 2002 when Capcom officially announced Resident Evil 4. Uh, and it was released, you know, or it was shown alongside this trailer from this current version of the game. The trailer featured Leon fighting his way through a castle while being pursued by a fog monster. Uh, the trailer showcased some first-person elements and showed that Leon was infected with some sort of virus. This is an idea that would be carried over to the final version of the game. Uh, this is the version of the game that would eventually become Haunting Ground in a less direct way than the Devil May Cry version. This was more like, here's the general thing, and then uh, the you vibes. Know, change it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't really carry over the fog monster. <laughs> Just nah, the vibes. Not the, fog monster. the pursuer aspect of it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And the um, castle setting. The castle setting. Yeah. There was some like girl in this that wasn't Ashley as well. I don't think she was in the trailer though, but yeah. Maybe it was Fiona. Probably not. Anyway. Mm. Uh, so the following year at E3 2003, Capcom shared a trailer of yet another new version of the game. This version being dubbed the Hookman version. Uh, this version featured Leon in what appears to be like a haunted mansion being pursued by a hook-wielding ghostly man. This trailer also was the first to showcase the over-the-shoulder aiming. However, in this version, it appeared to be combined with the bird's-eye fixed cameras of the previous Resident Evil games. Lastly, the hallucination version of the game was never shown to the public, and it was more of a story concept, and parts of that were reused in Resident Evil 5. So pretty much everything that was done for this was kind of like shifted into some other direction. Mm -hmm. And now getting on to the final you know, release version of the game. The team ultimately decided that they wanted to move away from the formula that they had established with their previous games and make a shift to a more action-oriented style of game. Uh, with that, they decided to make the camera permanently fixed behind the character in an over-the-shoulder fashion. The story also broke away from series conventions by not focusing on the T-Virus or the Umbrella Corporation, instead focusing on the Ganados and the Los Illuminados, which... Does that just mean Illuminati? Same general idea, I think, right? Same idea. I don't know. I didn't really get what they wanted. <laughs> I guess world domination. World domination. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know what else you would want. <laughs> yeah, I guess. What else is there? Did, did if they you're a bad want guy? everybody to eventually become infected and like be part of their Maybe? thing? Because they they want no wait 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 they wanted to manipulate. The United States president. Right. By inducting Ashley. Did they want her to yes. kill him? I don't know. I they don't wanted know some some kind of infection to happen. Yeah. They wanted to have like some man on the inside basically. Mm-hmm. To sway things, I think. 
And they were like, if that doesn't work, then we'll just infect all of America. <laughs> sure. I think is what they said. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange. Um, <laughs> so today, Resident Evil 4 is remembered for its impact on the survival horror genre, as well as its impact on third-person action games in general. Uh, going forward, an over-the-shoulder view for third-person action games became the standard. Many popular games over the past two decades have taken inspiration from the storytelling and game design of Resident Evil 4. And despite Resident Evil creator Shinji Mikami saying that he would, quote, cut his own head off if the game was ever ported off of the GameCube, Resident Evil 4 has gone on to become one of the most widely ported games of all time, appearing on pretty much every platform imaginable that's been, like, every current-gen thing since the GameCube. Like, it's on literally anything. <laughs> There's why, no platform without Resident Evil. I was going to say, why Why was he so desperate to not have it leave the GameCube? Uh, it was So it launched as part of the uh, Capcom 5, which, which was, like, a series of five Capcom GameCube exclusive games. I don't even know if they, they, they ended up making five. I think they mm. made two and one of them was Resident Evil 4 and it just left the platform okay. within the same year. So appearing on pretty much every platform, including a VR port in 2021 uh, and on March 23rd of this year, 2023, we will see a reimagining of Resident Evil 4 in the style of Resident Evil 2 and 3. Ooh, Morgan, what is your history with this game or the franchise in general? So... The um, only other Resident Evil game I have played was the first one, uh, which I think I think it's uh, a 2002 remake of Resident Evil. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and I, I got that um, on my Switch. So I sort of like became interested in the franchise because I was watching reviews uh, by a YouTuber called The Sphere Hunter. And just like the way she talked about like how much she loves survival horror i don't know i just became sort of like really interested in the genre and i was like well i want to see you know what all the hubbub is about um and so i played through probably the first like two-thirds of that game uh never beat it but i played enough to get you know like an appreciation for, for yeah. how how um well put together that game is so yeah my introduction to the series was resident evil 4 for vr and after that i did try to go back and play like i'm like i love this so much i'm gonna start from the first one Actually, I think I decided to start from zero because I'm like, I'm going to play the prequel first, even though that's, oh. kind, of, that's kind of a weird way to do it. I, think, yeah. I feel like a release order usually mm -hmm. is just how you should be doing things. But I decided to go with zero first and I didn't make it all the way through. I tried to play, uh, like I mentioned before, like half of two, didn't end up finishing it. Did like it, though. Nothing bad to say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so how did we prepare for this episode? So anytime that I play a horror game, I have to go through like extensive research because I cannot mentally handle jump scares. It just, I just don't, I, I appreciate them for what they are. I hate, I hate experiencing them. So like mm -hmm. with like when I was playing Resident Evil, for example, I had um, like a walkthrough open at all times, had to play it in broad daylight. And I had to like know ahead of time where every single zombie was going to be just because, and I was still screaming like just cause I wasn't like, that was the, like the first horror game I ever like really tried to play haunting ground. I had to do the same thing. Had to have a written walkthrough for that one. I also had to watch a video walkthrough 
so that like I like had it in my head like this is where I need to go. Um, this one I I did watch a um, video walkthrough in the background I was, as I was playing so that I wouldn't get too many nasty surprises. Mm. However, still got killed by pretty much every reaction command available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I'm on this I'm on the same boat as you where. I'm I'm pretty new to horror games in general. Like my first horror game was Resident Evil 4 in VR. And I don't know why, but I mean it was very scary at first. I was pissing my pants. Yeah. But after the after the village, I'm like this is certainly less of a horror game I feel like than other Resident Evil games. Like there's yeah. horror elements, but you're playing like a, you know, an action movie star. You're not Right. You're like fighting everything. And I feel like that makes it less scary. Well, and even like like the gross, like the gross out stuff, like the... The body horror stuff. The body horror stuff. I mean, back in the day, I don't know what it would have done. But since, like I said, since it's kind of like grubby PS2 graphics now, um, There's sort like of a like, layer, like, yeah, you're... Yeah, I don't a little know. bit detached yeah. from it. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm, it doesn't freak mm-hmm. me out. Like when a when a plagus like sprouts out of somebody's neck, I'm not like, oh my god, so scared. I mean, like I am sort of like, oh my god, but not not because I'm scared of it. It's because like this is gonna cut me up if I don't do something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you did you play any of the bonus content? Mm-mm. I played a little bit of Ada's separate ways. I did watch some uh, of that. It looked a lot easier than the main game. Yeah, yeah. I played a little bit of it. I, I, I don't know. I meant to like look up like everything that happens, but it just kind of felt like bonus content, not like not super consequential. I ended up playing through the game uh, one and a half times, I guess. First time on a regular playthrough, about 15 hours. And then I played like th- two hours, I think, on New Game Plus, And I made it like all the way to chapter four. You can blaze through that game. Yeah, if you're... I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, once you know what you're doing, plus you have all the guns from playing through the game once. So that's how we prepared for the game. Let's uh, let's get into some very, very, very important questions before we really dive into the game. Morgan. Hmm. Question number one. Yes. Resident Evil or Biohazard? So, you know, I have, I have a counter question to that because I'm actually confused. <laughs> yeah. So... So I know it's called Biohazard in Japan. Yes. However, Resident Evil 7, right, is called Resident Evil Biohazard here in America. Yeah. What the heck? It's ha- called Biohazard Resident Evil. In in Japan? Yeah. That's, that's so good. I love that. That's so stupid. Um, <laughs> I, I understand that the Biohazard title sort of fits because like that's like the recurring thing is that it's, you know, like some sort of like parasite or virus or mold or whatever you want to call it. It's like infecting people and causing like, like, like the monsters in Resident Evil are a byproduct of like science. Mm -hmm. However, I just like how Resident Evil sounds better. And I like how on like the title screens, you hear that Resident Evil. It's a little corny. Biohazard. I mean, did you hear the Japanese version, though? No, I didn't, actually. It's, it's all right. Yeah. Oh, whoa. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard for America, mm-hmm. uh, or for uh, regions outside of Japan, the 
V-I-L creates V-I-I, which is seven. So it's a little seven inside of the title because it's Resident Evil 7. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And for Biohazard, they just took the seven out of the Z. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just had to hard, hard stop for that. Just nice, I had to let the nice. audience know. That's fun. Oh, yeah. I, I think that I... I don't know. Because... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like Resident Evil better. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. I, I kind of... There's something to Resident Evil. I don't really know what the the words Resident Evil mean. Like, I mean, the first one, it was like, evil. there's evil in this residence. The, yeah, there's the evil. evil in this residence. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is like, for seven, that's very appropriate. That's appropriate. Biohazard Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Resident Evil Biohazard works both ways, frankly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I lean towards the Japanese thing, because like with the Haunting Ground and Demento, I feel like Demento is clearly a better name. Like Haunting, what the heck does Haunting Ground mean? What is the relevance to the game? Haunting, I mean, like, it's not really paranormal either. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about alchemy. I mean, that's the paranormal aspect. But yeah. anyway, I just there's something about it. It's exotic. Yeah. Biohazard. Tell me the series has been called Biohazard my whole life, and I didn't even know about it. <sighs> that's exciting to me. Yeah. So I just lean, I lean towards Biohazard okay. personally. That's fair. I, we, we balance I, each other out then. I think that's, we do. that's fair. Just like <laughs> any good podcast co-host. Yeah. 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 Morgan, <laughs> mm-hmm. what was the scariest moment in the game, in your opinion? Okay. So I do know that when I first picked up the game and started playing, getting through the village the first for the first time shitting my pants i don't think i've ever cussed that much in that like short of a span of time like literally yeah. it was just because keep in mind i had uh played um the first resident evil in that game it's more of like the, the focus is more like on conserving as much supplies as you can which that that's a thing that's definitely a thing in this game too but like in in the first game you do that by like not killing everything on screen whereas this game wants you to pretty much kill everything on screen so i was just like being chased by this mob and i was like what do i do what do i do what's going on i don't understand and you know there's a lot of f-bombs uh and a lot Mm -hmm. of just like kiting this like angry mob around like this little town and like frantically looting and like grabbing every single thing i could get my hands on i used every single bit of my supplies by the time the chainsaw man was dead and like the bell rang and they left me alone i was out of pretty much all my Mm -hmm. ammo all of my healing items were gone. It was terrible. <laughs> so that was yeah, definitely yeah. like a shitting my pants moment. However, and you're also just like learning how to play it. Yeah, time too, yeah. So, it's, so like, it's, and like it's a very weird fumbling and yeah, very stressful, mm-hmm. very tense. However, the regenerators, the regenerators. Mm. Oh my god, the breathing sound. Hell no. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's I bad. I just want you to imagine that in VR. No, that's, <laughs> that's like why I don't want to play it in VR is like that. Well, also like the feeling of being chased by a mob, like actually, no. Mm. Um, but yeah, the regenerators specifically, the way they, they nailed the animation, like the walk cycle on those guys, like the eerie way they kind of like. Their face too, their silhouettes. Yeah. Terrifying. It is, yeah, they're scary. Very. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many terrifying moments in the game. Regenerators, I feel like, are a lot of people's top. Like, this is the scariest thing in the game. Yeah. Um, maybe, like, the occasional jump scare, 
you know, like the um the guy that runs out of the refrigerator, the guy that's hiding around the corner early on. I knew all that he was stuff. coming, but yeah. yeah, 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 just because I was cheating, quote unquote, with a walkthrough. But mm-hmm. some of the bosses in the game, if you shoot the water oh, um, yes. that, in the lake, <laughs> yeah, they needs you. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of scary things for me. It's that fucking snake in the container. God damn, it got me every time. Yeah. I was never not scared of a snake popping out of a container. Well, then just like swing twice and then you're good. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. When I that happened in VR, I almost fell over. Oh, that really? That was terrifying. <laughs> like that was hands down the worst jump scare in the entire game That's for me. so funny. I hate it. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. What was your go-to weapon? Shotgun, I think, was the most satisfying. Like the traditional, like the regular. I think by the end I had the, was it called the riot shotgun? It was like the, the shorter and it had like the big like drum barrel thingy on oh, it. Oh, that's the, oh, I don't know what that's called. It's called, I want to call it the striker. That's probably from Black Ops. No, but that I, actually I don't sounds right, I think. Uh, I don't I don't remember the gun names very well, but um. Yeah, just because it was like so satisfying to have like a mob of people in front of you and then you just like boom and then they all like all fall over. Like that was that was very mm. good. Um I also really liked the rifle just because it made things easier. If I had the ammo, I could, you know, pick off people and then like go on and do my thing. You talking semi auto or are we talking I don't know. I didn't use it for like semi auto. I just used it for like sniping. Was it the um the wooden one is what I'm asking. Mm, that's what I started with, but by the end I had okay, yeah, else. yeah. So you upgraded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it was the uh, the Red Nine. That was the that was the game changer. I upgraded that thing fully, and I was just one shot and everything. Which one's the Red Nine? It's the pistol that Lewis uses. It's the old looking pistol. You unlock. Is it a access Magnum? It. No, it's not a. It's not a Magnum. Okay. It's a. It's a regular old pistol. Oh, okay. It's a. Uh, it's a classic looking. You know old school gun with the clip magazine sort of thing. Oh, okay. You can get a stock for it and then it just turns into a uh, a monster. Oh, I think nice. it does the most damage out of anything any any pistol in the game. Oh, okay. Uh not not including the magnums. Gotcha. But yeah, that's that was that was definitely the uh the play for me cuz I kind of there's not like a linear upgrade for everything. Like most stuff kind of has pros and cons. Yeah. Like Yeah. The rifle to the semi-auto rifle, the rifle is going to do more damage. The semi-auto rifle is going to fire faster. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Speaking of the semi-auto rifle, um, I love that thing in the VR version. The VR version has so much like weird cheese tactics you can do. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things to do with the uh, the rifle was to do like a side scope. So I'd like tilt the gun sideways, look at where the barrel was pointed and use it for like close range stuff. Oh. And then I could also use it for like long range stuff. Yeah. It's really dumb. You could also do wield in that game technically. It was useless, but Okay. Yeah. It's it's ah, it's so fun. That's funny. I want you to try it. In VR. I'll, I'll make you try it. Okay. Yeah. I'll make you do like the mercenaries mode where it's just killing people in the village. Okay. Sure. It's one of the best VR games I've played. Yeah. It's so fun to take a game that existed and like break it in VR. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just by doing things that you can do in VR. Right. That makes sense. But anyway, yeah. Red Nine, definitely my go to weapon. Now, this is going to be a hard one, but what is your favorite line of dialogue in the game? It's so hard. There's two of them that are just like really good. Um, 
where's everybody going? Bingo. That that That's was like classic. that was like one of my favorites. Also, I forget the exact wording. I I texted it to you, I think, and I don't even know if my text was like word for word, but let me scroll up and find it. Insects lives doesn't compare to human lives. <laughs> yes. Oh, the anything with Mike is hilarious. So dumb. <laughs> yeah, you know what my favorite line was? Mike. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even get to see Mike. Like <laughs> You don't get to see Mike, do you? I don't think you do. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Think He's do. just like in the helicopter and that's like all you get. You may be able to prolong your life, but it's not like you can escape your inevitable death, is it? <laughs> I loved that. Zinger. That felt like that felt like just some heavily bit of like trans I'm sure that hit harder in Japan as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure most of this sounded a bit better in Japanese, yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny. Yeah. That was just like such an awkward sentence. Yeah. Well that was that's that was what got me with insects lives doesn't compare to like the grammar's just so insects lives doesn't compare. Oh yeah. It's so awkward. <laughs> it's so fun though. Yeah. That's one of the I think that's that's where this is where the charm from the game comes from though. Is yeah. how like it's just such a cheese factory the whole time yeah it's something <laughs> all right let's get into the campaign morgan what did you think of the narrative was it was it enticing did it like, <sighs> you know engage you no <laughs> it really <laughs> didn't i mean like i it's this game's biggest weakness now mm. when i say that though you have to understand that I don't think the game is really trying to have the best narrative in the world. It's just trying to be an action hero movie, kind of. But also, like, it's just trying scary. to be fun and scary. Yeah, it's just stuff. trying to be fun and scary. So, like, I can't dock at too many points. Um, I, I was just sort of, like, confused by everything because mm -hmm. it felt like every single conversation Leon had with everybody was just for the purpose of setting up, like, a zinger one-liner that was like one of the stupidest things you've ever heard. Like any of his conversations oh with Salazar were just ping pong and insults back and forth. And I'm like, these aren't, these aren't really doing it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. I think I would have to largely agree. Like, I mean, like what is the narrative of this game? It's Leon trying to rescue Ashley and then just getting stopped by some like evil maniac, like a series of like henchmen to a, big bad guy who's just trying to rule the world with a disease right uh you know it's yeah, yeah I, I mean the premise isn't like the most like thought-provoking or mm -mm. imaginative thing it is just like a saving the world sort of action hero you know excuse for exciting set pieces it feels like but i don't know i just wasn't thinking about the story most of the time the narrative i'm just like i'm thinking yeah. about like how the gameplay is moving along usually right right so yeah but yeah um, did you do a deep dive into the lore at all? Did you look into anything? That's no. As you are to do sometimes. Yeah, no, not not aside from, because it does give you like the little spiel at the beginning that sort of like tells you how it connects right. to the other games. And like, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of stuff about Resident Evil that I haven't looked up just because I want to play like the games that are like set before this one and I didn't want to spoil everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, like mm -hmm. I know vaguely sort of what's going on but yeah i just i didn't want to spoil um other stuff for myself gotcha yeah i feel that uh i kind of i don't know like for games like this it's like there is something i find compelling about like 
who are these people and all that. But I was learning that there's like not really, you can't just play the main series and like find everything by going through like journal entries and stuff like that. There's a lot of like external media that you need to like understand who Krauser is. Yeah, I was and like, why he's with Leon? I was like, who the like, hell is this guy? <laughs> I believe that was in a book oh, or something. I was gonna say I did. I did look at um and consider uh getting some of the books just because I feel like that that might depending on. I'll have to look into reviews because if they're like hot pieces of garbage, then I don't really want to invest the time. But if the books are any good, that is something I would be interested in. But I also I'd, don't really know where to start with the books. So who knows? Yeah, it's probably not Resident Evil Zero, the book. No, <laughs> it's probably not the place to start. Um, I'm also interested in some of the films. I'm sure they're not amazing. <laughs> no, no, they're not. <laughs> I think some of them are completely CG and I think some of them are real like live action. Either way, I'm not expecting the world from those. Yeah. That would have to be like a uh, a drunk movie watching yeah. sort of situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not expecting anything from this other than to laugh at it. Right. How did you feel about the pacing? Were there any low points that stand out to you or high points that stand out to you? No. <laughs> um, I, well. I can go first if it helps. Uh, okay. For, for me, the section... It was, oh, what was it? You're like in that moth place. Like you get dumped there. It was right after, I think. Yeah, the bug place. I believe it was right after the two, like the two uh, El Gigante. Yeah, that sounds right. uh, Yeah. Fight. I was just out of ammo and I'm just like slugging through this place. That's how I, that, that was a place that stood out to me in like my first playthrough. So, yeah, other than that, I feel like it's pretty exceptionally well paced. Like you're moving from set piece to set piece and it really does like vary the setting and location. And it, it does a good like balancing act between like slow, more tense horror sections and then like bombastic action. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I liked the opening, the, the, the village stuff like that sort of like rundown villagey sort of Mm -hmm. vibe i was fine with the castle stuff but then i felt like once i got to like oh castle underground and there's lava i was sort of like where are we (laughs) like what's yeah what's (laughs) happening now what i think a lot of people start to think that the game drags towards the very end Mm, like chapter five ish. yeah well like i said i i actually thought that the game only had four chapters so when i found out there was a fifth chapter i was like oh Okay, Oop. but then Oop. was wait sorry was chapter five the lab stuff? Yeah, okay. so that's like after you beat Salazar, you go to chapter five and you're on that island. Okay, yeah. So so by the time I got to Salazar, I was getting kind of sick of like the castle stuff, but yeah, um, the the lab sort of like piqued my interest again. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well that's better. I want to say it's um, I don't know when chapter one ends. Huh. Uh, I don't remember. It's all kind of blurred it's together. Like, um, I think chapter one and two, that's like that first, you know, villagey area. And then you fight the, the chief guy. Um, and then you go to the castle after you're being chased by all the Ganados. Uh, and then the chapter three and four are in the castle fighting Salazar. Mm-hmm. And then chapter five is fighting Sadler. Right. So yeah, on like that separate island. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that was that was like some 
some low points for me. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Leon as the protagonist? I know that you found him quite quite the himbo. Yeah, but I mean, I I he's like a a big dumb idiot, and I kind of love him for that. That's yeah, that's fine. He's pretty. He's super. He's so pretty to look at. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just so pretty. He's he's hilarious. I think that you would love Resident Evil Two remake. Yeah, from his perspective. He's just so funny. Yeah. Like, this game could be pitched as a comedy, I feel like. Just with... <laughs> his Himbo's a really good way to describe him. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that until you said it. But just like, I don't know. I feel like everyone in Resident Evil is basically that, though. Ada, I don't know. Ada doesn't really... Ada seems... I, like it, like... Oh, do you mean the, the protagonists? Male, the protagonists, yeah. Jill kind of like has that yeah, energy, in, in at least in the 2002 remake and in the ps1 version definitely because the voice acting is so bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that an essential part of horror do you need an idiot do you need to play as an idiot like do you need to play as someone who makes bad decisions and has bad bad judgment well i was gonna say no and then i was gonna bring up fiona but fiona does just kind of like stand there and back away slowly and it's like girl run girl move girl do anything and she's like i'm scared (laughs) So I think, I don't know. I mean, like a certain a certain level of helplessness. I wouldn't say that Leon is helpless, though. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I can think of like a couple examples of the opposite. I mean, Ashley like, is helpless in your stead, maybe. Right. Um, Did you find Ashley to be like super motivating, like the damsel in distress sort of nature of Ashley to be like a... <laughs> Oh, I have to protect her. I just kind of saw her. I mean, like like I said, I I kind of love her for because she and Leon are both dopey idiots. It's sort of like yeah, how I feel about them. They're perfect for each other. Be- yes, exactly. Because there's that one scene where, like, I think it's is it after you do the lever the lever cranking thing with her where you have to like protect her and then you hop across these two platforms and then I think you walk into a hallway and. She, Leon and Ashley are just like walking next to each other, and I think he like wants to check on her because like they both have like the parasite or whatever. He's like, "Hey, are you doing okay?" And he like grabs her hand and she just about. freaks out for no reason. No, leave me alone. And runs. <laughs> she runs into the most specific ass trap and I like know. <laughs> falls directly like where she was supposed to in the wall for these like restraints to come out in the wall to flip around and i was like girl what the fuck was that like i I, that part is like shockingly i was just dumbfounded i was like girl what yeah it's like okay i guess they wanted to remove ashley for a little bit uh like literally you could have done literally anything else and it would have been more graceful than that like like a trap door and i don't know anything literally anything oh there was also this one part where um it's like in the lab and it's like okay we have to (laughs) sorry we we have to this is i just remember this is also one of my favorite leon lines he's like we have to jump down in this trash chute and he just like grabs her hand and they jump down this height that should have killed them both they land on this like big ass metal grate that should have like broken their spine and leon was like hey it's a good thing you landed on your big butt or something like that i remember that yeah i'm like you guys what are you doing it's so weird so some of the lines were cut out of the vr port this was kind of like a it was like a mild snafu with people they're like you're censoring this game oh. 
weird stuff. It was mostly like the, um, you know, I see the president has equipped his daughter with ballistics sort of lines and oh, stuff. Yeah, that one, that was a bit much. Um, that was a bit much. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, do you side one way on the other on, like, if you're if you're remastering something, do you just leave everything in or do you take the liberty to, like, remove stuff like that? I I would definitely clean up the awkwardness of the dialogue. I mean, there's, like, some... Here's the thing. If you're going to have a man sort of, like, flirting at, uh, like, your female, your, like, damsel in distress at least make it a little bit mutual, you know? I don't know, because it just feels weird if it's one-sided. Another thing that made me, that like kind of like sketched me out a little bit was it's like with Ashley's old design, I don't know about the new one, it was like hard to tell how old she was because uh, yeah, she acted kind of immature. And she's, I think she's canonically 20 when that takes place. So she is an adult, but I was sort of like, mm -hmm. I couldn't like quite tell. I was like, oh. It just felt very creepy. A little bit, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And like the looking up her skirt thing, like I wouldn't be upset if they took that out just because it's dated at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's a little I, I, I didn't really care too much. The there's parts where like Leon is kind of like harmlessly flirting with Hunnigan that they took out, too. And I'm just like, that's I don't know. I don't think that's a big deal. I do get removing some of the creepier lines about like Ashley's boobs, boobs and butt. Mm -hmm. Like that's. That's a little weird. The like, the huh, good thing you landed on your butt. That line, it didn't creep me out. It was just, this is something that like a third grader would say. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it was just like really immature. And that's why it was funny to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really feel strongly about like, yeah, keep, we have to keep these cringy lines in here. Eh, nah, mm. I don't really think so. Since we're on the topic of Ashley's breasts. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Haunted Ground. Yes. Famous for the boob chain. Right. <laughs> um surprisingly resident evil 2 on the ps2 or resident evil 4 on the ps2 no boob jiggles rigid, <laughs> rigid. gamecube gamecube mm. all over the place apparently different versions of the game in different regions have different amounts of boob jiggles was that like a localization thing was it a hardware limitation or like hardware limitation of the ps2 i assume that's so no, funny. I, oh, I was gonna say please <laughs> Um, Could you imagine? <laughs> it's just so strange because Haunted Ground was a PS2 exclusive. Yeah. Or only released on the PS2. Yeah. But specifically PS2, we're cutting that out. And then GameCube, we're leaving it in the Nintendo platform. We're like, it's, we're jiggling it up on there apparently. <sighs> yeah, I, that's strange. Okay. It is strange. I would have loved very... to have been sitting in that meeting where that was decided. I... I think it's a regional. It's, so it's regional and it's based on the version. Okay. Um, I think like Germany and stuff like that. Places where it's like typically more strict. I think they usually had some or less. They had less jiggling happening over there. There's some other version differences too that are kind of interesting. Enemies cannot be headless in Japan. So like, you know how sometimes like, I don't know if this happened to you while you were playing, but like you'll, you know, shoot someone in the head. And they keep walking. Explode. They keep walking for a little bit, even if they don't come back as mm -hmm. like a, you know, tentacle Aplogus, monster dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can be like attacked by them still for a little bit before they die. Not possible in Japan. They got to go right to dead. Really? Um, yeah. Hmm. Can't be have, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe, Maybe it's like a cultural sort of Cultural thing. thing yeah. Another really interesting version difference, probably the most significant, is the Ashley segment in Japan. Uh, 
they switch back to a traditional like Resident Evil, like one, two, three, like fixed camera angle. Hmm. Okay. For the Ashley segment, so it's meant to be like a little callback. You know, yeah. you're playing as Ashley, you're walking around with your flashlight. It's cool. Yeah, I don't know. That's all. That's all. That's all I got for version differences, though. Um, sorry, just really quick before we get into like the mechanics and stuff. I will say the first time I saw a Plogus in game, I freaked out. Not well mm. because it was a bit jarring, and I was like, "What do I do?" Um, but also because there's an anime called Parasite, spelled with a Y instead of an I, and in Parasite, there's like these alien things that like get inside humans. And they like unzip their heads and they look just like the RE4 Plaguses. Like they just like oh, ripped off that thing. And like, yeah. How many variants did you spot of the Plagas? Like the, the head open. I think three. Because there was the one that would like jump out after it yeah. had been killed. Yeah, like the spidery looking thing. There was things. the one that just swung around. Mm-hmm. I think there was another one though. I can't remember. I feel like there was one that did like pretty much the same thing, but it looked a little bit more grotesque. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I feel like there was a third that I'm just not not imagining. It's more lumpy or um, something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of the villains? We have like three. Well, we have a handful more villains, but like uh, of the chief, Salazar, Sadler, Krauser. How'd you feel about the villains? They didn't particularly move me that much. Like just because. Any favorites? I guess Salazar, just because he's weird. <laughs> he is. He's like hateable. He's like, yeah. I want to punt this kid across the room, yeah, right. sort of thing. Yeah, he's so annoying. Yes. <laughs> so I, f- I feel that uh, the chief kind of feels like generic, but in that early part of the game, I did find him very terrifying. Well, yeah, because he's uh, just so silent and huge. Yeah, and yeah. big. <laughs> yeah, the whole that whole early section of the game, like I'm gonna kill you, but then it's like, oh, never mind. You're one of us. Yeah, and I was, was like, like, oh. Oh, I'm going to kill you anyway. Like, yeah, the, yeah that, did, that didn't make sense to me either. I was like, okay, this seems kind of wishy-washy. Or the part where they inject them with the Plagas, and then, like, they're, they're knocked out, they're injected with it. Lewis and, I almost said Simon. <laughs> Leon. <laughs> Lewis Leon. and Leon. Yeah, yeah, Lewis and Lewis. Leon. So they're injected with it, and then they wake up to Granados with an axe coming to kill him. It's like, what is the play in Right, here? like, what, mean, is, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That also threw me... Oh, also, another great Leon line where he was talking to Luis and Luis was, like, giving his backstory, like, yeah, I'm a cop. And Leon was like, I was a cop too, but for, like, a day. <laughs> it's like, Leon! <laughs> <laughs> one day. <laughs> one very bad That's, day <laughs> in Resident Evil 2. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. For me personally, I really like Salazar. For the reasons I said before, he's just terrifying. Yeah. Or not terrifying. He's annoying and I want to just like kill him the entire time. Yes. He's just like, he's like with you in the game long enough to be like, okay, I'm tired of exactly. you being with me in the game. Yeah. yeah. I would like to like to murder you. The first time I played the game, I used my RPG on him just because I'm like, I'm done with this. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm blowing this dude up. Yeah. Krauser, I feel like would have been more interesting if he was involved in like an actual game. Yeah, if he didn't just prior to this, because like the 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 boss fights with him felt like more of like a rival thing than any other. Yeah, because you like having like this intense like knife fight stuff going on. Yeah, and it feels you feel more like on each other's like level almost. Mm-hmm. Where he's, I which don't is know. cool, and then it becomes that like bio. Well, yeah engineered but still even then i think that was his boss fights were probably the most 
like intense because like you have to get up close to him and like knife his shield thingy down and do all that and there's like the time mm-hmm. limit i don't know yeah i liked it yeah he was probably my favorite he's probably my favorite boss fight like i said yeah i think he had the most intense combat now when i was doing it i was panicking like a moron so yeah, but yeah. whatever <laughs> how'd you feel about the merchant the merchant the merchant is probably my favorite npc yeah he's he's great he's like a he's like a real source of comfort yeah you know what i mean what like, are you selling stranger and we'll get to the like music and stuff later, but like, oh, his, it's, so like it's so relieving to get there. It's yeah. like I'm safe. I think yeah, no, I'm safe. I think that's the same soundtrack that plays in the RE1 safe uh, safe rooms too. Mm. I think at least they sound incredibly similar if they're not the same. A motif going on. Yeah. So, um, did you know that yeah. uh, the Merchant and Leon are voice voiced by the same guy? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. What do you think about him lore wise? Like, is this does this man? Does he only exist as a gameplay sort of system? Like, I need a place to buy stuff. Or is there, like, some thought out... Is he, like... Is he also infected? Oh, I think... Is he just some dude? I think he... I think it's, like, implied that he is infected, but somehow still able to, like, keep his, like, mental faculties or whatever. Because he does have red eyes, doesn't he? Yeah, um, I noticed that. You know... You know, this is a thing with Japanese games where they sort of present you with this like weird creature that doesn't really make sense with the lore. Cause final fantasy, uh, 13, two and 13, three has a chocobo lady, um, a chocobo in a human form that functions, functions as your merchant and does not really follow the rules of the universe. She's like this like weird being that's just allowed to break the rules because you need a merchant there. Um, which I don't really have a problem with that. Um, I think it's fine if he's just like an in-game thing and not like an like an in-universe thing. Just because it it would be really weird if he was in-universe. Um, mm-hmm. Wiki doesn't say anything other than yeah, he's a Ganado, but he doesn't view Leon or Ada as a threat. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's just sort of strange because I feel like if he he was there to have in universe uh like implications then the story would have to address it and it doesn't so like mm-hmm. it's whatever also i'm seeing a screenshot from the uh the remake of the merchant oh can i see it looks so i good. would like to see actually let me do a little also i little think snippy. i could be misremembering but i think leon leon and the merchant's original voice actor actually passed away which is really sad matt mercer no paul mercer is it? Is that his name? I th- I think he passed away. Wait. Not Matt Mercer. Um, it says Paul Mercer on here. Oh, wait. Sorry. It says original Resident Evil 2 Leon Kennedy voice actor died. Oh. Okay. So maybe okay. maybe it's not this one then. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't know. Oh, wait. Sorry. Leon is voiced by Paul Haddad. Paul Mercer takes the role. Oh, sorry. Paul Mercer takes the role in Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil yeah. Degeneration. Okay. Resident Evil The Dark Side. But Mercier was replaced by Matthew Mercer in Resident Evil 6. That's so confusing. That's Mercier and Mercer. <laughs> Mercy. I wonder, okay, so okay. who's voicing him in the 4 remake? The remake? I would be, it, it, it said Paul Mercier on the fan page, but that may just not be accurate. As, okay, so I typed in Leon voice actor RE4 remake, and the first thing that popped up is, is Paul Mercier, but I don't. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay. 
wait, it says, what are people's opinions on not bringing back Paul Mercier or Matt Mercier? Yeah, this is saying the legendary protagonist in video game action hero will be played by Nick Apostolides. I don't know if that's how you say that. So keeping with tradition of basically having a new person every oh, time. Oh, <laughs> and it says he will be reprising his role as Leon Kennedy from the 2019 Resident Evil 2 remake. So it's the same guy from the 2 remake. Okay, what? Oh, fine. That makes way sure. more sense. Okay, yeah, that's okay. fine. <laughs> anyway, did you ever try to shoot the merchant? No. No. <laughs> I thought about it. It never occurred to me on my first playthrough, but I thought about it. I'm like, what would happen? I think uh, I think he just dies. Oh, Comes back eventually if you're on normal, but I think mm-hmm. if you're on professional, he's dead forever. That sucks. That's so terrible. All right, let's get into the mechanics. Probably the most difficult aspect of revisiting this game is trying to get a grasp on the... It's like tank controls combined with... like, It's like the tank controls combined with the having to stop, aim, and shoot going on. How well were you able to adapt and how quickly? I think... By the time I got to the church, I had adapted pretty well. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, like, it was constantly, like, I just had, like, an itch where it's like, can you just let me aim and strafe, please? I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is pretty hard. I mean, especially if you're trying to kite an enemy, like, if you're running away yeah. from, like, a bad guy, and it's like, okay, let me just slowly turn Stop. around and shoot, turn like, around. once, yeah. and then yeah. it's like, oh, God, I'm about to get smacked again. And also... So, there were some sometimes with like um like when you pull out your knife you put you have to use a different button to pull out your knife and then you have to look down and then you have to and then you yeah. might not be close enough so then you have to readjust pull out your knife look down again <laughs> and it's just sort of like this like clumsy like panicking sort of feeling yeah. um and just because of like sometimes with like the over the shoulder view sometimes the camera felt so like tight to like Leon where it's like I can't see what's at my feet and that would bother me a lot yeah Um, because I like to be able to see if I'm standing on top of an item or if I need to move a little bit I don't know a little claustrophobic that's definitely something that like uh, I want to say well playing playing the VR version made it easier by far Mm, because mm -hmm. you can move and shoot it's so easy to shoot you can look around really quickly you can look around you can look up and down you can just pull out something you just point boom dead right you know (laughs) yeah like um that's another reason people like really love the wii version of the game it's just like the pointer controls as opposed to the um stick stuff Mm -hmm. really easy as opposed to like you know like you said like it's centered right on the center of your screen every time you aim this is just like aim zip around and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's like one of the few times that like the pointer controls really made a lot of sense yeah um So a lot of people really love that version of the game for that reason. So a bit of like controversy that I noticed, not controversy, but like discussion that I saw was, this is something that I feel like has always surrounded Resident Evil. Uh, And we talked about this a little bit in Haunting Grounds as well. The concept that like a control scheme being like awkward or clunky makes the game scarier. Mm -hmm. And... This is something that I think we both disagree with. Like, there's some people who I think are overly protective of the idea that, like, these early Resident Evil games need to be preserved how they are as far as, like, controls and, like, tank controls and aiming and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because it makes them scarier. 
I think that like with the remakes of two and three, that's like, I think largely like, look, disproven. Still very scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't really buy into that. I've still found the game very scary in VR where I could just move around and shoot like I was John Wick. So. Right. Right. Well, and I was going to say there's like minor adjustments you could make to to make it like feel just as intense if Leon wasn't as clunky. So like if, for example, if you could strafe and shoot at the same time and like easily like walk backwards while like aiming down sights, just have the enemies like move after you a little bit faster or something. Or, yeah. Like, keep up with you better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That is something that does change as as you do well in the game. Enemies yeah. will... They do. <laughs> spend like less time shambling towards you and they'll just run after you. So that is kind of already baked in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, personally, just make the game fun to play. Like if you make the game frustrating, I will find it frustrating and not scary. So right. Yeah. We've already, I'm sure this is a quick topic, but uh, something that I hope gets axed for the uh, remake is the quick time events. I felt like they were overused. <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely overused. And also just like smack dab in the middle of some cutscenes. And I'm like, yeah. I had set down the controller. Or I was holding it with one hand or something. And it's like, and you're like, oh. <laughs> quick dodge. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Grab my controller, press L1, R2 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't mind um, when it was like in like a, a combat situation where it's like you're prepared for it. But yeah, like coming out of a cutscene or like the dumb boulder things. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. what's this for i don't know is this supposed mm-hmm. to scare me the animation just looks a little silly when i'm mashing oh it it's super very fast. silly yeah yeah it's a very silly looking animation yeah anytime you mash an x you're just like oh god leon mm-hmm. or like if you fell out of the boat during the uh oh the swimming is... yeah like come on <laughs> yeah what's the name of that thing i don't know the lake monster <laughs> the lake monster i forgot yeah Morgan, what was your, what did the different iterations of your loadout look like? Like the game uh, offers a wide variety of guns that all have different like purposes. Were you like constantly selling your pistol and like going to the next one that was available or were you like sticking with stuff? I think my first priority for upgrading was always the shotgun. Mm. Um, yeah. And I remember buying a rifle scope as soon as I could, just because in the walkthrough I was watching, he was like sniping off obnoxious dudes <laughs> that were going to oh, be yeah, annoying yeah. in like upcoming fights. And so I was like, well, I want to do that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the Magnum, I tried to conserve Magnum ammo as much as possible just because it was so strong. I think I had the broken butterfly. I think that was the Magnum that I used. Did you get that one for free using your guide? I don't remember. There's a spot where you can like pick it up on the wall of, you have to backtrack whenever you find Ashley. Yeah, like I think, a... I think, yeah, yeah, I think I did that. Yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I watched the guy that I was watching do it. Um, mm-hmm. And what was I going to say? Oh, as far as like other like stuff that I tried to keep on hand, I always tried to keep a couple flashbangs because Plagas. Yeah, you know, yeah. Plagas is. Flashbang, um, like of the three grenade types, I think flashbangs were the most useful. Yeah. Oh, also, speaking of things that scared the shit out of me, um, aside from the village stuff and the regenerators, um, the guys with the Wolverine claws that are like... Yeah, the blind guys. <sighs> I hated those. Stress me out. Because mm-hmm. oh. you have to shoot their backs, but yeah. they also turn to you anytime and you make sense. And just like, just like all the, like, the noises they make freak me out. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like the, the clinking of the chains and like the yelling and the oh, just stress. How'd me you out. react to like that first encounter with them where you have to go into that cell with him? Flip that I lever. I hated that. Um, I mean, like, I I knew how to like deal with him because of the walkthrough. I will say, I think it's the second encounter with one where you're in the room with like the cage and it's like really claustrophobic. There's like the yeah. cage in the middle and like the areas outside. I hated that. That was terrible. That, I had to look that <laughs> up because I. I was just like stuck the first time I was playing that. I'm like, how do I get out of this cage? Yeah. I don't remember if I killed everything and then was like, uh, <laughs> I'm in a cage now and there's no like thing on the wall to shoot or anything like that. Yeah. I didn't realize you had to like shoot that padlock a thousand times to break out. Yeah. No, I got out of the cage as soon as possible. It was like running mm-hmm. around the outside because I was like, get me away from that guy. But he was like, I think he was actually trapped in the cage most of the time, which was fine i was just scared yeah. that he was gonna come out and i was gonna be like oh, stay stay in mm-hmm. i definitely died at that section a few times before yeah. i no that's hard it. did you use like the tmp or yes okay yeah. yeah um i use that on the 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 troll giants a lot um mm-hmm. the oh the guy the guy that gets the long spine was that the captain trapped in like a barn with him oh yeah i i just called him the chief I don't oh know the chief that's accurate okay yeah. um yeah him on mm-hmm. his spinal column <laughs> yeah um yeah it, it was a good the, the tmp was like a good like oh crap i need to mow something down really quick <laughs> that was always like i'm getting overrun and i just yeah. need to like stun everything coming at yeah because the clip is so big or you mm-hmm. can make the clip like humongous so and mm-hmm. like the fire rate and everything is is really good damage not I, so much yeah, it was pretty like a spray and pray type thing. Mm-hmm. The capacity can get so large, though, that it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's 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 great. But um, I always prioritized utilizing my pistol. Yes. Whenever I could. And I upgraded my pistol, like, first and foremost, every time I was allowed to upgrade anything. I was able to get the, I was able to get a maxed out Red 9 and Riot Shotgun by the end of the game. I didn't go for the, um the drum barrel shotgun because I preferred the the riot shotgun for its range. Mm, mm-hmm. The drum barrel one has a pretty short range. Yeah. Like so, I said, I just used my shotgun was like primarily for like crowd control stuff. Yeah. So I always save the shotgun for like the mini bosses. That was my. Yeah. 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 That or like sense. the shield guys. Sometimes I yeah. just rip it out and be like, satisfying. just shoot the shield. Yeah. Explode yeah. it. Yeah. What did you prioritize upgrade wise did you end up like maxing out anything i it's pretty expensive to like max out any one gun i think i think i'm mm, trying to remember if it was i think it was the shotgun yeah yeah well like i said that was like kind of my favorite Mm -hmm. like go-to i don't know it was i don't know the game really forces you to like juggle weapons a lot and so Mm -hmm. it's like it's hard because it's like, oh, I have this is my favorite, but if I use like up all the ammo, then I'm kind of screwed out of using my favorite. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I didn't actually prioritize the pistol that much because I don't know. I just sort of like was like, oh, the pistol is my crap weapon. Like I just, I just use that to like eke by, and then when I you know really need to, I use my other more preferred things. Right. I had like an order of operations for that. I was like, I'm using the pistol and the TMP, but the pistol first. And then I'm saving yeah. the uh, the rifle and the shotgun for something yeah. crazy. Yeah. And like the the Magnum, I primarily saved for like boss fights, mm. like something that I needed to 
do a lot of damage. I didn't end up using any Magnum. I would always sell the Magnum ammo because I had to make room for my uh, my RPG that I was lugging with me throughout the entire game. Oh. <laughs> what did you What did you end up using the RPG on? Final, or did you the final boss? Okay. 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 Yeah, I thought I was supposed both... to. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I did too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first time I used it, I used it on Salazar, mm-hmm. which. Looking back on it, Salazar's fight is pretty pretty easy. But yeah, Sadler's fight is a little bit more involved. I, and that, I felt like it was involved on VR where I could, you know, run around and stuff. Mm-hmm. But The quick time events were kind of like merciless <laughs> with mm-hmm. him. Like when he would fling like the big metal beams at you and like, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of stressful. But Wait, wait, wait. Sadler? So for the Sadler fight, uh-huh. did you start the fight use your rpg no wait doesn't because there's like a special rpg that you get during the saddler fight yeah that's like well now i'm confused (laughs) like ada tosses you that rpg for you to use and that's how you win yeah that's what i meant when i said i saved it for wait was there an earlier rpg there's a so you can buy an rpg from the merchant or you can there's like an rpg room in the castle with an RPG like behind this glass, you kind of have to go like a little bit out of your way, not too much. You, I don't think I bothered with that. I don't remember because it <laughs> it's like a what you only get one RPG throughout the whole game. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because I think if you, you know, I think it might have been because if you give me like a one use thing, I get anxious about it and I just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't it is an it. instant kill though. Okay, it is just like ends a boss fight, ends anything. Oh, okay. Um, maybe there's some, like for the Sal, the Sadler fight, it's like you shot him with the RPG and then it triggered the Ada thing where she throws you that RPG to shoot him. Well, no, I fought cause I fought Sadler like just straight up. <laughs> like it was like knifing him in the eyeball and everything. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't use like the actual, like the regular old. Okay. I don't, okay. that, that is not in my memory. I don't know. If, if you could looking back. Salazar. <laughs> Okay. I just wanted, yeah, I just want to mess with that. Like, forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think for me, I hated the. Uh, I'd be curious. You know the the thing, the uh, the thing in the mine stuff. That big glob of dude. I don't know what he was, but the uh, part where you're like running through the cargo stuff and deactivating those like the series of like three. Oh cards. yeah, yeah. That guy. I hated that guy. Yeah. I wonder what happens if you use that on the first phase. Like, is he just dead? I don't know. Maybe. I well, yeah, I kind of wondered if, like, if his health bar or or if you did, like, enough damage to him in, like, the containers, if when you got out, if you could, like, kill him super quickly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just sort of, like, ran from him in the containers. Like, I didn't really try to damage him. And then yeah. when you get him outside of the containers, you can sort of like kite him around in, into the that like little tunnel thing and like shut him behind the gates and like kind of get some pot shots on him that way mm-hmm. until he digs underground and then that kind of It's just the constant like yeah. dodge. The dodging. Dodge, yeah, that was annoying. Dodge. Yeah. I thought that was kind of lame. I hated when the boss stuff kind of divulged to that. Mm-hmm. The other part where that like dodge, dodge, dodge thing happened was the uh fighting the right hand of uh Salazar. Mm-hmm. the uh he's like because that to me is one of the like scariest setups in the game it's right at the beginning of chapter four after you fall down that pit and salazar's like go my hench butler dude um go hench butler dude go yeah kill him, or whatever yeah that was the guy that you had to use the um 
the uh, liquid nitrogen or whatever on him, like the frozen. How did you do that? What do you mean? <laughs> did I you just knock it over? That. Oh. oh, you just knock it over? Yeah. Like you I just run up to it. You, you, you stand next to it and you wait for him to show up. And then you knock it over and then it freezes him. And then you get out your TMP or whatever you want to use and just like. And then you run away. And then. Did you not know that? that? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that's like a big. I knew. See, I knew that had to be for something. I just like in the moment, I could never figure it out and I didn't look it up. Oh, so. yeah. No, you can uh, you can uh, slow them down. And now it doesn't last for very long. Like you kind of have to be quick about it and and Mm -hmm. you can like miss him with it and then you know you just like waste the whole container and then you're like kind of screwed but see okay that makes sense but yeah i just (laughs) i just didn't think because to me every both and both of my playthroughs that was like the most terrifying part yeah uh like the setup to that is scary yeah um because you're just walking through this court it's a lot of quiet build up to it and in VR, oh my god, that was terrifying. Uh, just this yeah. hulking man in this tight corridor, just like, I don't know what to do. And, and he's, he's like, like running at you. He's like one of the few bosses that'll like sprint at you. Right. And <laughs> he, doesn't terrifying. he like crawl around on the ceiling and stuff? And you're like, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, oh man, this game is so good in VR though. You need, I'm, next time I'm in town, I'm showing you this game in VR. Yeah, that, that part was terrifying. Also, if you kill him, you get like a very valuable piece yeah. of treasure, but you don't have to kill him. You can just yeah, like wait for the elevator to come back. Yeah, I managed to kill him because I used all the 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 liquid nitrogen or whatever mm. containers. So yeah, I no, just I, ran around because I okay. was low on ammo. <laughs> yeah, I tried to kill him, but I just ended up wasting all my resources because I didn't kill him. Yeah, I think that if I could pick someone to use the RPG on. It would have been him, mm-hmm. but you mentioning the liquid nitrogen thing has made me be like, well, maybe, maybe there'd be a better candidate for the, uh, the RPG than him. Yeah. If you can, if you can do, I don't know. He does take a lot of ammo though. He does. Like He's you, a big you old bullet your, sponge. Yeah, he is. I thought his, uh, so whenever you're playing as Ashley in that Ashley section, mm-hmm. there's like a memoir or something from the butler which I think is written like during the transformation of Salazar to the Plagas duty, duty. Yeah. Um, like while he's, you know, succumbing to the infection or whatever. Um, and so like that, I think it's implied that that the right hand dude was like his butler. And he's like, well, I have to continue serving my master. So Aww. I'm going to take this too. I know yeah. it's like, it's just something, there's something nice about that. I guess, uh, even though Salazar's a little so. dick. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to look into the uh, some of that, uh, like a deeper explanation of the lore behind the game. I think that'd be interesting. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a big part about this game is like you can shoot limbs and you can shoot hands and you can shoot their weapons, shoot their heads, disorient to them, disorientate them and kick them and stuff. Mm-hmm. What was your like general strategy for dispatching these lower level enemies? Um, right at the gate, I was mostly trying to get headshots, but what would mm-hmm. happen was I would get the headshot and then I would run up to kick them. And there was this really frustrating thing where the kick prompt would like, I would like just miss it and then I would take damage. So from there I switched to like aiming for legs and just knocking them down. 
um, mm-hmm. and then just sort of like trying to either shoot them to death or like after I'd knocked down a bunch of them running up and like knifing them all at once. I probably was trying to use the knife more than I should have been. <laughs> because like Yeah, even, the knife is super weak. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I'm saying like I mean like at first I could kind of get away with it, but towards the end of the game I couldn't I couldn't really use it at all. Um anytime there was like an annoying sniper with like a bolt. See that that's another thing about the something irritating about like not being able to aim and move at the same time is like if you're trying to line up a rifle shot from like behind cover you like can't hardly do it it just kind of mm-hmm. sucks but i would i would try and conserve rifle ammo to rifle ammo to get rid of like long range dudes or like the minigun guys or you know stuff like that um yeah and then like shotgun and tmp was for crowd control i conserved all of my rifle my rifle ammo was the last thing that i would ever touch yeah um I didn't do it intentionally for the regenerator section, but it was very beneficial whenever I got to that yeah, section. Yeah. Because I was able to kill like all of the regenerators and plus whatever that spiky variant of them mm-hmm. was, which was awesome because they all dropped a lot of money. Yeah. Like I think the regenerators dropped like 5,000 pesetos. I thought it then, was like 15. Maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. Or was it 10? I think the, the spiky dudes dropped a lot. Mm. They dropped more. Mm. I think it might have been 10 but uh yeah like every one of those you killed was like a big old piggy bank so that was nice yeah now i will say like throughout the game at least for like the first half i was doing okay with like ammo consumption like i didn't feel like i was ever like completely out of ammo but like the healing items i just chewed through healing items like they were because i would i just got hit all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> so speaking of healing mm-hmm were you able to figure out what the herbs did? Or yeah. The herbs did. Well, it was ex- well. The video guide kind of explained it to me. Okay. Well, so yeah. what was the? So my basic understanding of it was like you could use green by themselves, and you could combine green to get like a big healing. Mm-hmm. But if you combine green with yellow, I think that was a max like all your health. Yeah. And if you combined green with red, that like increased your health. No, uh, it was the yellow. Mm. The yellow herbs are what increase your health by a teeny tick yeah and the red ones um basically like if you mixed like a green and a red it would heal you more but you can't use a red herb by itself yeah Yeah. and you can't combine red and yellow i think i know i don't i don't think so i mean you can you can combine yeah red all together but yeah, yeah yeah you can yeah i didn't like every time i was like combining herbs i'm like i think i I think I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But like, I don't really, I never really like sat there and be like, or just looked it up. Like, yeah, I just was like, I need to eat this. Yeah. <laughs> I would try and save like my um, green, red, and yellow combinations for like emergencies where it's like, I am almost dead. I need like a full health restore sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the, uh, one of the fun parts about playing the game in VR is the immersive, like your gun is on your hip, your knife is on your chest you know, your shotguns over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're also, if you have a first aid spray, you like reach over your shoulder, you pull that, and then you spray it in your face. That's funny. (laughs) "Mm, Give me that mist. Yeah. The simple stuff like that is so much fun in VR. Mm -hmm. There's so much to like about the VR port, like the the typing on the typewriter part. Like you got to take your little finger and just like type out on the typewriter whenever you're trying to save. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) It is fun. So, 
a big aspect of this game, a hidden aspect of this game, but a very important aspect of this game is its adaptive difficulty. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's necessarily advertised about the game, but the game will do a lot of things to adjust difficulty, whether it be through like reducing the number of enemies in a room, um, giving you more ammo in crates, stuff like that. Uh, reducing the speed at which enemies run at you. A lot of very subtle things to kind of like maintain this level of like you're always doing just well enough to get past. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like you're scraping you're scraping by by the skin of your teeth or whatever. That phrase is, I don't know what that phrase means. Anyway, is there any section that you struggled with difficulty-wise? Um, like where the adaptive difficulty kind of failed you? in a sense i don't think so because you did warn me about save states coming and accidentally making it yeah. harder on myself so i tried like, i was worried yeah i just had to say that like right out the gate like yeah. if you're using an emulator you could make the game very hard for yourself if you save state scum yeah um so i i tried to like if i was gonna die i just let it happen let it happen um, yeah as much as yeah. that you know kind of like graded on my perfectionist tendencies a little bit i was like it's for it's for the best um yeah, yeah yeah i think i think i already mentioned how the village intro uh really threw me off because like i said i was used to re1 where it's like hey don't wipe everything off the screen try and like conserve your supplies as much as you can um so i was like what do you, you mean you want me to kill all of these guys and you that's what, use this ammo yeah it's like <laughs> that's what you pretty much have to do um to get like the the chainsaw man to show up and like the the bell to toll that makes them all go away so, oh yeah so speaking of the village thing uh -huh. um i you don't have to get the chainsaw man to show up oh you don't i don't oh, know I thought if that i had the to. adaptive difficulty thing but so he he definitely spawns whenever you come into the um when you go into shotgun house but I, don't I think thought that I have... had to go in the shotgun house to get it to, like, no. do... Okay. Well, also, I'm like, yeah. I was running around and, like, trying to grab... Because I was, like, out of ammo. I was, like, out of everything. I was, like, trying to, like, run through these houses and grab whatever. And I accidentally ran into shotgun house without realizing it. And then that just... It just gets more chaotic from there. And so I was, it like... Does. I, I ran in there. I, like, ran up on the roof and was, like, trying to kite enemies around on the roof. And then I jumped down because I think... I don't remember if Chainsaw Man made it up on the roof or not, but I could mm -hmm. hear him. I could hear his chainsaw revving. And so I was like, ah, fuck, fuck, fuck. That's right. It's like, just like chaining that. And yeah. I don't mean to, man, uh, again, the remake, I, there, there was a clip. I'm trying not to watch anything else, but for like one of the trailers, I saw like a snippet of like this village section and the Chainsaw Man. And there's like a part where he like knocks down like a support pillar and like a building like falls a little bit. Oh no. And I'm just like, this looks so good. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. But yeah, so my first playthrough of the game, I didn't spawn Chainsaw Man at all. Hmm. Okay. I thought I thought that the first encounter with the Chainsaw Man was after the house that has the chief and like whenever you head outside because mm -hmm. that was the first time I saw him. But yeah, whenever I played through it this time, it's like, oh yeah, if you go to Shotgun House, it looks like you, he spawns, I guess. I wonder if that was because in the... Resident Evil VR, I was dying a lot in the beginning of the game uh, because I was trying to get comfortable with, with being killed. Yeah, I was like, this is all that's going to happen if I die. Like, I would walk right up into the face of the Ganados. And I was it's like a fear factor thing. I'm, yeah. like, I'm trying to overcome Immersion. This. So I wonder if that was the reason. It was like, oh, you die a lot 
baby at the beginning yeah. of the game. So we're not going to spawn the chainsaw guy. Yeah. Uh, the, that might have been it. The first time I almost died, it's like right at that first, like the literal first house, like the first Ganado you fight after that, the other three show up. I like ran up to the top level of the house, jumped out the window and was like immediately surrounded. And I was like, oh, what happened? What's happening? Mm-hmm. It's rough. I think the first time I played it, I was trying to like hold out on that, the roof of that building, like, like you were, um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of like knock down the ladder constantly anytime they put it up. Yeah. Shoot through the windows, knock them down, do whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Make them trip up and stuff. Shove the dresser, whatever it was in front of the door. I'm not sure what the wind condition is for that first section. Like, do you just have to kill enough enemies or is it like a time thing? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's both. I don't know. Um, it is like a weird difficulty spike, though, I felt. Like, it's right at the beginning of the game, and it's just like a ton of enemies right at you, and all you have is this pistol, and then you can find a shotgun. Yeah, And uh, you, yeah. you're barely comfortable with the controls. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it's there to be like a kind of sandbox to be like, get comfortable with the controls or what, but I don't know. That would know. be my it, guess. It stands out to me. Yeah, probably to like force like... um old re fans like this is what we're doing now you need to adapt okay mm-hmm. get used to it sort of like trial by fire sort of a thing yeah um, that's mm-hmm. yeah a good way to describe it um but yeah because once you make it past that i feel like there's never a section again where it's like this is much harder than what i've been doing so yeah i yeah. don't i don't think so i mean there was that the the stuff before the the watch ashley mess with the lever thing that was kind of like stressing me out or like the first um like chain gun guy in the castle that's like oh, set yeah. up in the center of the room that was oh okay because he took forever to die i don't believe he's one of those guys where it's like you don't have to kill him i thought you, you did because he drops a key or something i thought does he i think so i thought he just dropped some treasure well, i thought it was a key mm, um, maybe he does. or maybe the key is just sitting there next to him and i, I don't know i thought i had to maybe kill the him. key was friendship <laughs> Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so, how do you feel about the adaptive difficulty? Is is the subtle way that it's implemented like is that something you like? Do you have a do you have any issue with the idea of like taking away difficulty controls from the player? Um, or is it like do you like that it's kind of like ah, uh, it's almost like letting you think that you're doing well, even though it's like behind the scenes kind of pulling some strings, adjusting some numbers. So my thing is that like, I don't have an ego (laughs) about the game going easier on me. So like if it's, you don't have to coddle me and be like, Oh, we're going to keep the difficulty changes hidden from you so that you can still feel good about yourself. Like, I don't, I don't care if there's like an easy option for a game that I'm not, that I know I'm not going to be super comfortable with, like a horror game, I'm going to pick mm-hmm. the easiest difficulty because I, like I said, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. So in this case, I kind of wished I had the option to be like, hey, just baby me a little bit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. instead of going through, like, the frustration of, like, dying a few times. Because that's what speedrunners will do, which is pretty interesting. They'll, yeah, like, the, yeah. throw a grenade or kill Ashley a couple times to just, like, ease up yeah, the just experience. Make it, yeah. But then again, I think... I am impressed with the art of like act or adaptive difficulty based on like your Mm -hmm. performance. Like I think I don't, like I said, I don't think it's a bad thing to have, but yeah, sometimes I, I do appreciate being able to select, just put me on easy mode, man. 
<laughs> I'd like to know the history of like adaptive difficulty systems in yeah. games. Like, it, I think this is, must be a very early example, if not the first, because uh... it's 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 something that I hear talked about in regards to this game specifically so often. Um, there's a game maker's toolkit video about this where he kind of compares the system to other systems in like uh, Donkey Kong, for example, where if you're failing at a level, you can like walk up to a little thing and be like, can you play this level for me? Um, Which is like insulting. Like I would never do that. I'm fine with the adaptive difficulty thing, but it's like, hey, baby, you want me to, you want, you want Papa to take the controller and do it for you? It's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm playing it. Yeah, that that feels kind of like, I don't know, I would just rather there, instead of doing like that, I would just rather there be like a setting selection at the start of the game or like even in the menu where it's like, hey, can you put on aim assist for me? Like, I know that that was an option in the RE2 remake um, and I don't have a problem with that for like, and especially for like accessibility reasons for like if somebody really wants to play a game, but they don't have like super great motor controls in their hands for whatever reason like i don't have a problem with that obviously um but yeah i don't know (laughs) i i do i think it makes a lot of sense for horror games where tension is part of the experience Mm -hmm. so you want to like you want to like artificially craft tension by like removing like ammo drop rates Mm -hmm. and stuff like that if they're doing well to like manufacture like scarcity through for the player right that makes it'd be i guess it'd be weirder (sighs) i don't know maybe it makes sense in all games actually i don't know i mean it doesn't make sense in a platformer no i'm just gonna throw in more enemies like take away some platforms (laughs) just stretch out the level a little yeah yeah make the the jumps a little longer yeah i think it makes sense in horror games though because it's more i think it's more about the experience Maybe in like sequential playthroughs, you have a fixed difficulty, like maybe the professional difficulty, because you can unlock that after you beat the game. Maybe if that was like a fixed difficulty, and it may be, it may just be fixed at like the hardest possible thing at all times. Mm-hmm. And if that was the case, I think that would make a lot of sense. It'd be like a, you know, I, I, you maybe you figured out our tricks, so we're going to give you this like set thing that you can't really abuse. Yeah. Well, that's what... um. Uh, Ratchet and Clank going commando Um, like your first playthrough is going to have this thing called like act tuning which will like add bolt crates or like add or remove enemies or like I Mm -hmm. think enemy health and I don't think it does enemy damage Um, but then like on your new game plus playthrough um, it's uh, called challenge mode where it's like set to the max and there's like I don't think any more act tuning uh, and the enemies do like more damage and stuff and are they have more health. But yeah. anyway. We wanted the aesthetics. So tonally, not necessarily, uh, like we already talked about our scariest moment in the game, but what is like the scariest area in the game in your opinion? The lab. The lab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Just like crafting this area where it's like you inadvertently like release this horrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I did. I did see. I see your note now. I did forget about the dog maze. That also jump scared me quite a bit. That was freaky to go through in VR. It's just constant jump scares, basically. Yeah. Also, there's this one part where um, there's like a dog in like a cage or something, and I was mm-hmm. like, "I'm going to shoot it through the bars." First shot, shot the lock off the cage, and I was like, "Fuck!" Yep. <laughs> Came running out. I was like, "No!" <laughs> 
the dogs are so vicious. It's yeah. like they run up you and it's just like, yeah, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Which yeah. they are the same in RE1. So that I did kind of expect them to be a bit mm-hmm. much to deal with. I hate dogs in Resident Evil. Like yeah. the whole, like playing the, uh, oh, like the playing freaky two. mouths that they have. Ugh. There's just, I hate the idea of like a fast yeah. thing. That's true. <laughs> it's just upsetting. Mm-hmm. Because you're so clunky and you move so slow. In VR, and in VR it was just jump scares, which made it pretty rough because it's like I'm going through this maze in first person, just like I know there's going to be a bunch of dogs. I hear them. Yeah. I hear the little pitter-patter coming towards me. Yeah. And I don't like it. Uh, so that was like the scariest, like, for me area. Um, so how do well do you think this game balances its, like, cheese and camp with the horror aspect of it? Like, is it enough to still be, like, does it manage to pull off being fun and scary equally well, do you think? Or do you think it falls more towards one or the other? Oh, that's a hard question. Because it's, like, two aspects of the game that I kind of take separately. Like, yeah. You know, it's, like, one moment I'm, like, talking to Krauser and having this, like, stupid conversation. Right. About him saying how we're all going to die one day, dropping some, like, super obvious fact. And then I'm back to being, like, terrified. Right. So it's it's a weird... I don't, I don't know if there's, like, something it's doing specifically, pacing-wise, that helps it pull this off. But it really, like, when it's supposed to be scary, it's like, I'm scared. Whenever it's supposed to be cheesy and campy, it's like, I'm laughing. So it's, right, like... Yeah. A really weird thing to balance, I feel like. Yeah. I don't... Hmm. I don't... I don't know. It's hard for me to, like, I guess... I don't... I don't really know how to feel about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because on the one hand, it's, like, one of the things... And I I feel fine (laughs) making this comparison because, like... It, it was literally, like, a prototype of RE4, and so, like, I the games are just, like, linked in my brain. But, like, Haunting Ground, its tone was so consistent, and that made it a better, um, a better experience for communicating, like, a, a specific message and a specific feeling. Like, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the way it does psychosexual horror is just so good. And... There was some camp still, though. Like, I felt like Ricardo had some lines that were just like, yeah. Funny. But then again, he wants to get you pregnant, so it's like I know kind it's of like anything he says like is going to be off Yeah, yeah. I just feel like I don't know how to explain it, and and I don't think it's necessarily like bad. It's just I feel like Haunting Ground had a lot to say, and and a lot of a lot of ways to make you feel, and it did it well like it was really impactful i feel like this because Mm -hmm. the tone between the gameplay and the cutscenes was so like dissonant it didn't it didn't really like hit me as strongly i don't know i mean i'm not saying it's not like any less enjoyable Mm -hmm. (sighs) i don't know i wonder if the serious tone of like the horror made the campy parts even funnier for me yeah i think so because i think without the horror the campy would just be like complete cringe and be like what (laughs) <laughs> like why, why are we why, like you almost had to have like that extreme like stress and tension to to be able to like laugh a bit more at the like it, it was more of like a, a break when things got campy i don't know yeah a reprieve yeah 
Yeah, and I wonder if it works in the reverse too. Like, did the campy stuff make it scarier? I don't know. Like, no, I don't think so. I, I think, I think the games, like the tension and stuff, would hold up without if I had just like skipped every single cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like the Mario piano. <laughs> the what? The Mario piano. What that like, mean? <laughs> so Mario's like this very happy, the Mario 64, it's like this very like happy, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Mario 64. And then all of a sudden you're in this haunted mansion oh. and then a piano jump scares you out of nowhere and tries to eat you. And it's like, is that scarier because it's in this Mario game? Oh, I you don't know. know. Like, That's an interesting is question. Some of this stuff, is some of this stuff scarier because it's like, just a second ago we were like laughing and having fun and now... There's a man jumping out of a refrigerator trying to eat me or something. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Just because like it's Resident Evil. And so with Resident Evil, at least in my brain, it's like, oh, I know to expect scary. Like the, the campiness yeah. does not fool me into thinking that everything is going to be campy all the time. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of cheese, what is the funniest moment in this game for you? We've already talked about our Mike. favorite lines. But- Mike. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing with Mike is so funny. Yeah. He just falls in love with this dude. The bromance between Mike and Leah. Yeah. The very short-lived bromance. Right. Yeah. 2005 to 2005. Also, the just bromance. getting shot to pieces by Mike. Like, Mike, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I didn't I didn't know yeah. that that was something that could happen. I thought that he would just like politely miss me. And so I got I got torn to shreds by Mike a little bit. <laughs> I was just like, can yeah. we calm down, Mike, with the with the guns, please? <laughs> i appreciated mike when he showed up because he was just like mowing down all these dudes oh, thank that God. that is when it's like okay we are in action movie mode now this is this is just about running and gunning insects lives are not equal to human lives. yeah i don't know what he said i loved when leon and ada met and ada just takes off her transparent thin glasses and then leon's like ada Himbo energy right there. I lost it yeah. right there. Oh, so funny. Because <laughs> she's wearing like the thinnest, tiniest, like... Yeah. They're basically clear, like slightly orange tinted glasses. She takes them off and Leon's like, Ada. <laughs> it's you. It's you. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. Did they know... I think part of the fun thing about like campy movies and stuff like the, or not movies, but like campy elements and fiction and stuff like this is like, did they know they were being funny or was it, it's like almost like you could believe that there was like a serious element to them developing it. Like they thought this was bad. Yeah. This was like, yeah. Insects lives is more important than human lives. Like you tell him you you, you get t- his ass. Yeah. <laughs> the people know. are going to love this line. Yeah, yeah. This is going to hit so hard. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when he says, where did everybody go? Bingo. They're going to be like, oh man, Leon. That's so clever. You know? He's so clever. Yeah. He's so witty. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you feel about the uh, the music? I know that you stated early on in your playthrough that the music was- It fucked me up. Upsetting you. It was incredibly, <laughs> yeah, because it's like- at least in the beginning. Now, towards like the end, I was paying less attention to the music because I had like YouTube videos playing in the background. But at mm-hmm. first, I was like, "This is making it so much scarier than it would be if it was just silent." Like because it mm-hmm. has this like 
industrial like heavy beat and it gets like my heart rate going because like you know when you hear the music you know you're in trouble and then you're like oh shit where are they at what's going on but then also when the music goes away you're like oh okay and then yeah you feel that like sense of relief i feel like it really added to like the the tension and like the emotions and also the merchant music very Mm -hmm. like relaxing i can breathe okay and then sometimes the music goes away and you're like Please, dear God, let the music come back. Yeah. I'm pissing my pants right, right now. Like, give me, What's going to happen to me? Give me something to gauge my situation with, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like the uh, those invisible bugs the first time you meet them, and it's just like, don't like this. Yeah. Or uh, walking down that corridor at the beginning of chapter four with the right hand. It's like, no music. No. This is awesome. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's... It, it plays with sound pretty well. Yeah. And... Uh, I feel like it's it's always creepy, but it like balances the action, you know, bombastic, like, you know, right. it's like industrial music sort of thing and, with being scary. Yeah. And also from a sound design point, I liked how like the enemies shouting things like their, their voice lines or whatever I was unsettling because it's like, oh. I just heard them yell, so like somebody's behind me. Or sometimes you they don't say anything, and then you're like, "Holy shit, someone's behind me." Mm-hmm. Um, the cultist murmuring was pretty darn creepy, like oh, the murmuring yeah, like yeah, Latin yeah. or whatever under their breath. I forgot. It's kind of freaky. Yeah, first time I encountered that, I was like, Mm-mm, Mm-mm, "I don't like, don't this. like that." <laughs> um, the the regenerator breathing sound, terrifying. Hated that. Yes. Uh, yeah, sound design is very good. Um, also like that, the, when the sound, when like a plogus sprouts out of somebody and you hear that, you're like, oh, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, or in the later half, whatever, you just hear like that buzzing of like those electrified batons. Oh yeah. Like, like, ah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was rough. Plays with sound very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's all I got to say for aesthetics. You want to move on to recommendations? Yes. Okay. So. Where can you play this game? It might be easier to say where you can't play this game. You got GameCube. You got PS2. You got PlayStation 3. You got PlayStation 4. You got PC. PPPC. You got the Wii. You got the Wii U through the Wii Virtual Console. You got the Switch. You got the iOS. You got the Android. You got the Zebo weird specific console that was only released in Brazil. Um, you got the Xbox 360. You got the Xbox One and therefore the Xbox Series systems. You got the MetaQuest 2. And you're about to have the re-release or the reimagining on brand new systems as well so Mm. where does it make the most sense to play this game starting with the playstation 2 version and i think going forward um every version after that had the additional content so that's a bit of a you know complete package sort of selling point i recommend the vr version if you're looking for like a more traditional like with a traditional control scheme i really like the gamecube version because the GameCube, the GameCube controller makes a whole lot of stinking sense with the Resident Evil 4 control scheme. The big A button for shooting, the triggers and everything like that, the B button for, you know, reloading, it just works, I think. Uh, you're missing some of the additional content, though. Morgan, how was emulation? Fine. Was it- perfectly fine. No problems. Working good. Yeah. All right. Um, I will say the guy that I was watching for my walkthrough uh, had, I believe, the PS4 version which has like some improvements to textures, but not all textures. Like there's some things that still look a little muddy. And occasionally he 
would like encounter like maybe some like minor bugs that he insisted wasn't an issue on like the ps2 or like an older version but it wasn't anything like game breaking so i don't i don't but i don't know how much of that was just him Mm -hmm. saying whatever (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah. like some you know minor version specific glitches or whatever is to be expected i guess I think in general, a lot of people would recommend the Wii version of this game for the pointer controls mm. and the, uh, I recommend the VR version because it's like f- f- stupid fun to run around because they just, it's a really good VR conversion. Um, but yeah, you know, it's available. <laughs> you can play it on some weird ass consoles too. Yeah. Like the Zebo. Right. I saw that uh, and I was like, what's the Zebo?" <laughs> Morgan, do you recommend this game? Absolutely. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I would uh I would I would give it a big firm yes but mm. um I feel like you do have to like brace yourself for the uh you know the culture shock of going back yeah. to 2005 <laughs> early control schemes. I feel like you know if you're not playing the VR version, VR version we could just jump into. It's one of the best VR games I've played probably. The Wii version might be way more accessible for that reason as well, but I think I think waiting for the re the remake coming out maybe the play personally i think it, there's this game just works this game like okay todd howard <laughs> yeah the game just works um yeah like there's something i think it's the pacing that just like and just like the creativity of like we got this minecart section we got this regenerator thing it's like it feels so well paced and every room felt very memorable playing it through for the second time mm-hmm. i'm like yeah i know this room it's like this is this isn't just like some random fight room that I forgot about. It's like right. everything feels very memorable and visceral. I and and like a, the like like with the adaptive difficulty, the tension is so like carefully crafted and maintained. Mm-hmm. Like you have to you have to respect like the design put into the game. Like you can tell that it was, you know, intentional, mm-hmm. not just something that was like thrown together just because. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly like a groundbreaking title for everything it did for video games survival horror survival <laughs> i said survival horror or i'm getting t- I'm, my mouth is messing yeah. up anyway yeah i just uh the cheese the pacing the atmosphere it's all very there's a lot to love about the game i'm a big fan yeah so if you're if you're willing to put up with learning you know slightly convoluted control scheme definitely an easy recommend but otherwise it might be worth it to just just wait for that reimagining i'm sure it's gonna be good they have a great track record yeah so I'd be surprised. Uh, Morgan, does this game need a remake? I mean, it's getting one. I would, it's yeah, getting one. <laughs> I guess. I mean, mainly, I think it, mainly for an updated control scheme, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I think this is the a perfect example of a game that needs like a remake or reimagining. Like the game itself, the core of the game is so very good that the control, the fact that the control scheme is like preventing it from being accessible to like a modern audience right. is kind of. It's a travesty, it's goddamn. Sad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's We're sad. crying. Um, this is one of the greatest issues facing humanity right. today. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I think that this, you know, in in regards to our remake remastering conversations, I think this is one of the the primest candidates for a remaster, so or a reimagining. So absolutely. Uh, what would we like to see change? Modern control scheme. Just you know, update that to a third person. You know, more traditional. By modern standards. Um, you said strafing while aiming. Yes. Very essential. 
I'm sure that the, uh, you know, enemies and stuff will be updated to make it more fitted for that because playing it in VR was a little too easy, I felt like. Mm. So, yeah, having having enemies kind of buffed up for that. Updated visuals, obviously. Um, <laughs> you said better dialogue? Well, really? like some, like I really? said, some of like the clunkier, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if you can make the zingers, I don't know. I was, I was Sting in an anti, less, yeah. I was in an anti camp mood when I wrote that. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think toning down the uh, sexualization of Ashley is something that'd be, I'd be down for. I'm like, I, I'm cool with like, you know, Leon being like this flirty, like, flirted with Hunnigan and Ashley or whatever, but like it just felt strange because she seems so young yeah. to be like yeah. objectifying her. It I'm sure that's not making it in. Like they cut it out of the VR version. So right. I'm sure they're changing up all that. Um yeah, maybe make Ashley a bit less helpless. Although I don't know if the game makes sense if Ashley is Yeah, I don't know. Completely independent. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure that's going to be something that's addressed. I'm sure she's going to be a bit more of a, I don't know. I, I'd like, to, I'm excited to see what they do with Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to see next for the series, Morgan? Oh boy. Um, so I see you have written down more remakes for Zero Code Veronica 5 and 6. I barely know anything about 5 and 6 aside from people saying they are hot trash and like a disgrace to the Resident Evil name. So Cody, our friend uh-huh. Cody. I think is actually a big fan of them. Really? Also, Resident Evil 5, fully co-op. Really? That's fascinating. Yeah. And, man, I, oh, that'd be, it seems fun. Like, having a, a better version of that, fully co-op, yeah. sounds very exciting. Sure. Also, Zero could easily be converted to co-op, I feel, I feel like. It's kind of based around having these two characters you swap between. I think that could be an interesting way to approach a remake if a Resident Evil 5 remake happens. And I really hope Code Veronica does not get forgotten about because it is actually a main series entry. Oh, okay. It's just not numbered. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, next, next for the series, do we mean like Resident Evil as a whole? Yeah. Like... Um, you know, I am kind of a sucker. Um, and I know this is probably a dumb opinion considering it's not really where the franchise has gone or is going lately um but i'm kind of a sucker for the the mansion the The the, classic yeah the classic setup where it's like you're in this like really maze-like house and Mm -hmm. um the like crafted the the craft of like the creepy camera angle i sort of miss it Mm -hmm. a bit um you know what i think that so they remade resident evil one yes for the game yeah I think it's, I think that the standards have changed and I think that a remake of Resident Evil 1 again yeah, in the new I, style I would be okay with may that. be worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. Bring it back to the mansion. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It would be fun. Uh, I would, I would definitely pick that up um, just because I am, I am a sucker for the first game. Also, something that like sort of frustrates me, um, which it would be sort of like stupid to do i think at this point considering they already did a two and three like complete overhaul but if i could play a version of the old two and three 
where it had like the same fixed camera angles and stuff, they just got rid of the tank controls and like updated the graphics like they did with the 2002 RE1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also like that a lot, but hey, probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. They seem so. to be on a, uh, a set path of making a lot of money with yep. what they're currently doing. So yep. I'm a fan of seven and eight. Personally, too scary for me. Uh, yeah, seven, seven is a bit. I've watched um, most of Snapcube's playthrough of seven. I don't think I could do that by myself. I don't think I. Uh, yeah, no. Like, I'm, I'm down for this sort of like more action heavy version, but like that looks too much. It's, too and much it's for gross me. because the graphics are good, yeah. and you're like, that's nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the old remakes work for me, even though they're pretty scary, but. Something about being in first person. Yeah. Stuff jumping up in my face. And also just like... That baby monster in right? God, And no. also just like <laughs> the gore of like having your own hand chopped off in front of your face. Um, oh, yeah. And, or yeah. having like your, your other hand like stapled back to your arm. It just... It's kind of too much of an ick factor for me. Um, that being said, mm. if I were to get PSVR 2, I may play Resident Evil 8 in VR. Okay. Now, according to Sage, he's like, but eight isn't even that scary. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> it seems stressful See, still. I think that part of the joy of Resident Evil, part of this, like most, the, the sense of achievement of Resident Evil is no longer being scared of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I could get there. I don't know if I can. It's like you accomplish, you accomplish the game, you beat the game and it's like the accomplishment is... I'm not scared of any of you sons of bitches anymore. That's true. It's like you play through it again and it's like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. I'm not afraid of no ghosts. I will say playing this has made me go back and restart RE1 and I have been a lot less scared of it than I was the first time. But I also mm-hmm. know, I know where the stuff is. I know where the zombies are. That makes it less scary because it's familiar to mm-hmm. me now. But anyway, and I'm also just trying to desensitize myself to horror in general. <laughs> I mean, my advice is always just die. I guess. As many times as you can. Yeah. You know, it's like, especially at the beginning, it's like, I'm dead. That's the worst that could happen. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I mean, that's all I got to say for Resident Evil 4, Morgan. Alrighty. That's Resident Evil 4, everybody. Woo. We did that. We did do it. Uh, Next month, Sly Cooper, Devious Raccoons. Ooh, I'm excited. Another another big bad, big boy game. Not a, it's just a little kid game, but it's a, (laughs) it's an important game. It's a big boy to us. Okay. Big boy to us. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, please support the show by leaving a review, feedback on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, and you can expect a new episode of Analog Stick on the second of every month. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>